Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick who is always at my side, Ho Sway. It's always comforting to just like, every week going dipping back into a heavy load of comics, though this one was light, but then sometimes I just... I just fucking hate the comic book game so much. <laughs> I went back into a store I hadn't been to in a while. And of course, of fucking course. Um, I would be talking about showing off another thing, but I guess I'll save that one for next week after I get paid. But if if my money wasn't tied to that thing, I'll talk about it next week. Like, of, of course, life would present Portland, the the mecca of comic comics, uh, would present me with the things I've been searching for. And that is both Bendis Daredevil omnibuses, like his whole collected run, basically. And then I, and then the last thing I would really want to find would be Brubaker's omnibus. I really don't want to find those their runs and trades because there's so fucking many. So for those giant runs, I would like to find them in omnibuses. And then there are two right over the river in Vancouver, just waiting for me. But I <laughs> gotta wait longer. Fuck. Just when I think I'm done, it's like I'll take a break from buying some books. Nope. Now I know where something is at that I really, really fucking want. And that sucks. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Um, I had an adventure today, this week. Uh, I almost purchased something. Uh, one of, uh, for those who don't know, because we don't talk about it a lot, I actually have a pretty extensive selection of older books that I hold on to and I get signed and stuff like that. Um, I don't intend on selling them at any point. They're just for me. I literally am a collector. Um, one of the biggest gems in my, or lack of gems in my collection, showed up at Greg's Comics because they just bought a huge collection of stuff from somebody, and it was on the wall, and I stared very hard at it. <laughs> and that is the death of Gwen Stacy. <gasps> really? It was marked at one hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, it's kind of bad. It's not a bad price. The guy in front of me was looking at it, Ooh. and he asked how much it was. He's like one fifty. He's like, you know what? I think I'll take that. And the guy got it down, and I'm like, oh, no. And he's like, the guy behind the counter, Aaron, who's the greatest. Aaron at Greg's Comics is the man. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, listen, you should know there's some discoloration, and there's tape on the on the spine. He's like, this is a damaged b- book. Mm-hmm. That's why it's 150 And the guy goes, oh, you know what? Never mind. And I'm like, I don't care if it's on fire. I want that book. Like, yeah. So, so I'm like, oh. and I'm like, how much was it again? It's like 150 and I'm like, this would be a really irresponsible choice for me to make. <laughs> and I talked myself out of it, but don't be surprised if I have it next week. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, it, it was very tempting because, you know, I love me some Gwen. That's one of those things I just don't have. And yeah. I would love to have. So yeah. But yeah. Comic shop adventure is always fun. So uh, as you guys know, we're here to talk about comics. Uh, before we get into the comics of this week, though, we have some news. Man, do we have some news. Okay, so, first of all, in the aftermath, and we're not going to talk too much about this specific thing, but in the aftermath of the revelation that Disney was supporting the Don't Say Gay Bill Mm -hmm. in Florida, uh, or at least the backers of it, Christopher Cantwell, who we'll talk about later on in the show, by the way, um, has taken the amount of money he made from the, the USA of Captain America. That's right. And donated his his uh, his money from that to a LGBT nonprofit, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. So really, really good. 
Yeah, that's a good way to do it. It's the Matthew Shepard Foundation is who he actually um, uh, donated it to. Christopher Cantwell's the man. Like, he's really great. And, like, that's just a really cool move. I just hope Disney takes some some actions to correct this. You know, it's just ridiculous. They've done some things, but it, it more feels like damage control than actually oh, something yeah. heartfelt, you know. But, I mean, damage control is better than nothing, but still, you know. Um, sticking with the Marvel news, uh, they have we've got an announcement in... And I, I can't stress this enough. If you don't have Marvel Unlimited, you need to get it right now. Because some of the best comics Marvel's putting out are on Marvel Unlimited. Um, the MCU has announced and started already a 12-issue miniseries on Marvel Unlimited only about everybody's favorite Marvel television character, Alligator Loki. He <laughs> got his nice. own book. Um, I saw one of our one of our mutual uh, comic reviewer friends. I can't remember which one. They posted a picture of it of Thor ca- carrying Alligator Loki and being nice to him. And they're like, "Why is he nicer to Alligator Loki than real Loki?" <laughs> like, <I was> like, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, dude, it's fantastic. I've already read a bit and I love it. And this isn't just a, like a dumb little nothing book. Okay, let me explain. It's written by Alyssa Wong. <laughs> awesome. It's drawn by Robert Quinn. So, like, that's that's a real comic, like, talent working on this, and I love it. So check it out. It's fantastic. So, next up, we got a big announcement. Man, am I excited about this one. Marvel has announced that there will be a limited series called The Variants. Oh, yes. And it's going to feature Jessica Jones meet, meeting variant versions of herself, which is kind of a pattern in Marvel right now. A little bit. Which I think is cool because we have the Multiverse of Badness coming up. So mm-hmm. I think it's a cool, like, you know, this is the things that could happen kind of thing. So, um, but the, this is cool. It could, it could just be in line with all the other ones we've had, but, but it will be written by Gail Simone triumphantly oh, making her return to Marvel. <laughs> and not only that, drawn by Phil Noto. Yes. Like, so, what a team. I know, right? Like, that's, inc- that's crazy. So, um, I'm very, very, very excited for this one. Like, I, I like, ah, oh. I'm for sure getting this one. <laughs> yeah, 100. percent Yeah, I, I'm very excited. So, uh, switch over to DC for a moment. Ahead of the upcoming film, DC has announced that Black Adam is going to get a new solo series starting in June. Nice. Now, I don't dip into the the Captain Marvel Shazam universe very often, mm-hmm. but I'll get a Black Adam book. Also, like, I mean, like it seemed like everybody I'm. Everybody who had like a pivotal or, or important thing to do in Future State has had a book, and he's kind of been missing. So it's kind of like whether it's in line with that or not, because obviously yeah. with promo for the movie, uh, but it's still really dope. He's kind of one of the ones I've been missing. I'm missing out on. Yeah, because we don't get Justice League, so, mm-hmm. so yeah. Uh, but that's pretty cool. Uh, it's going to be written by Christopher Priest mm. and drawn by Rafa Sandoval, which is really cool. So. Uh, Another really great idea. I like that one a lot. So, uh, sticking with DC, um, we are getting the return of Jess Chambers, the non-binary Flash from Future State. Yes, coming to the Teen Justice series. Um, it's a multiversity Teen Justice, and it's going to be by Ivan Cohen, um, Danny Lore, Marco Felia, and Enrique Erin Angiolini. Um, so. 
it's really cool. There's some gender bent characters in this. There's like a female Robin that I don't recognize. Um, yeah, it looks really, really cool. And um, it's going to star. There's a gender bit uh, um, Jackson Hyde, Aquaman. Mm-hmm. It's Jackie Hyde, and it's Aqua Girl. There's Supergirl, who's Laurel Kent. Uh, Robin, who's Talia Kane. Uh-huh. There's Donald Troy and Clarianne, the Witch Girl. So, yeah, it looks really cool. Um, I love Jess Chambers <laughs> or, or Jesse or, or Jess Chambers. Yeah, sorry, I love Jess Chambers. Apparently, they revealed that um, uh, Jesse Quick is Jess's aunt, so that kind of gives us an idea of where the, the whole Jess Chambers like storyline is because we were told almost nothing about them mm-hmm. in Future State personally. Yeah, so uh, I think starting to build them into the lore is really cool. So next up, this one's fun. Uh. I don't know if you've seen the ads for like um oh the name of it's escaping me now. There's like a oh, masterclass. Have you seen you know what masterclass is online? No, 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 no. It's like a class you can you can buy. It's like a video video set you can unlock online oh, okay. for people to teach you how to do things. So okay, like yeah. Gordon Ramsay teach you how to cook, you know, mm-hmm. or my favorite is Neil Gaiman teaches you how to write, which is just fantastic. Um well there's a BBC version, there's a British version of it. And uh, it's called BBC Maestro. Maestro. Nice. And they are adding a six-hour-long instruction into world-building, character development, and a variety of other building blocks through 33 lessons. And the author and host, I want to make this very clear, he speaks and is on camera the entire time, Alan Moore. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> That's gonna be batshit insane. <laughs> like, yeah. Alan Moore talking to me about character development, how to develop <laughs> characters. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's only ninety dollars. I'm gonna get this. I'm definitely getting this. Like, that'd be amazing. So, uh, but next thing up, we're gonna go over to Image. Um, so there's a new anthology series coming from Image, just called Image One, right? Oh, yeah. And it, it celebrates, like, creator-owned excellence. Well, in the newest one, there's going to be a, a massive verse tie-in. Of course, there's going to be. <laughs> so, nice. um, so we're going to have to get that, too, to keep up track like with what's going on. Um, so uh, other things uh, uh, like that could be on there. Uh, I'm wondering if they even have a list here. Um, I don't know recall like those uh those image deluxe Jeff- I was getting that had like mm-hmm. it, it had like the the Walking Dead two thousand and like a few other ones that there was like a Stillwater important chapter in there too I had to I follow that, that shit yeah. too yeah um it's got uh, other people working on it are Jeff Johns Scotty Young and Brendan Fletcher so uh, curious to see what's going to be there that's really cool um and then finally the big news. That you and I were very happy to hear because we are very, very big fans and admirers of these lovely, lovely people. We are, of course, talking about Vault. Uh, Vault has made an announcement that even though one of the things we liked about Vault was how small it is, how family-ran it is and everything, boutique is the word, Yeah, um, I'm still excited that Vault has secured some big-name financing uh, from a variety of people, including... Uh, UTA, who's like one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's an investment arm for the music talent management. So another uh, talent firm, Crush. Um, And one of the most intriguing, Black Squirrel Partners, who represent Metallica. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, So they did make a, a point that even with the other investments, that the Wassels will maintain majority control. Right. So they still have control of the company. It's still their company. They're still going to stay in their positions. They're still going to make creative teams. This is literally just assisting them with some financing and hopefully helping, maybe helping them get some more IPs. We've seen what they did with World of Darkness. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. So maybe they can get some more. I'd really like that. So um, I really think this is a cool idea and I'm excited to see what they're going to do. What were you going to say? I mean, yeah, no, it is just super dope. I mean, yeah, we, we love our little indie home and in, involved, but to just see it grow like this or to, to have a chance to, grow like this it's why we keep reading their stuff because they just keep putting out like stuff that we just want like for it to reach the masses and it's really like for for a while it's just word of mouth and how good their books are and now i could just maybe go a little further than that and then obviously like bring it maybe bring in more creators this is just such a huge step for this uh for this company for this publisher to just level literally level up to some of the other guys like 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 boom has just been on the silent rise and has just been like on image that status but nobody really talks about it about him like that and now vault's turn to just like kind of step it up too and it's just like it's really dope i'm I'm so excited for them they're only a couple years old and damien's already basically said as far as sales go because comic sales are really hard to compute Mm -hmm. but vault's in the top 10 of publishers already yeah a couple years old that's insane yeah like so that's really cool we love vault here obviously we're gonna talk about vault later so uh, i wanted to get that out there a sidebar to this though they also announced a new series i don't know if you saw this one it's called mindset it's a new sci-fi thriller about mind control uh written by zach kaplan and drawn by john j pearson nice um so it will release on june 6th this report by the way is from cbr they have the exclusive of this um so I believe it's also going to have um, Hassan Atmani El Hau as the letterer. So, um, but there is a bit of an art preview, and I'm going to shoot it over to you because I know you would probably dig this. Um, but yeah, I, I again more vault because I was starting to think like a lot of vault have wrapped up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's going to be really interesting to see where we go from here, and uh, what new ones are going to launch. Is money shot coming back? You know stuff like that. So um, that's cool. But but that art looks really dope. Like if you go down, you can see the first few pages. Yeah, no, the whole cover is really cool. <laughs> yeah. So that comes out in June. So very excited about that. And they can do some twisted stuff with mind control as an idea. So yeah, that's everything I got for news. Did you have anything else? Um, yes. Um, I couldn't. Yeah, honestly, it was kind of it was kind of a long shot. It was just kind of cool. That was, I mean, it was almost promised, but I could not secure a JLA Avengers. Uh, <laughs> the pictures could not get enough as many as that. They were kind of like maybe shouting out to like the 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 regulars, and they could only get three. And be, and because of it, there'll be a raffle. So we'll see. Um, I I because of it because we were kind of like the the I think it was like me and another person we were kind of like. Not promised, but it was like, oh, maybe we'll put you down for one. Um, we we got at least like one ticket in the raffle, so fingers crossed. Because <laughs> I really, um, I would really like it. Everyone, every shop I have is also doing the raffle. 
Nice. That's cool. So, yeah. Uh, and so yeah. the difference they're going to donate to the Hero Initiative, by the way. Oh, yeah, same thing. It's, so, it's really all, all going there. I want to make uh, sure our so, listeners know they're not just trying to jack up the prize or something. Oh, no, hell no. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to throw in some for, for more tickets as well. Yeah. Just because I kind of really want this. <laughs> um, and then lastly, what was it? The, the Miss Marvel trailer came out. It was really dope. Oh, yes. I really liked it. I think people were overreacting online. I know it's always such an overreaction for for the trailer. Like, there's not much in it. It's like at, at the very least, like they ask the question, like, "What are you?" If if it's it's on there, whether it's not going to be the same exact thing, but they want to toy with it, they want to talk I mean, about it. Toby had organic webs. Yeah, that was a change, and now some people say he was the best Spider Man. <laughs> like. And they're wrong, but yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, but just, uh, I'm just curious how how if they were to bring in just the Inhumans at all into this. I don't think she's going to be in any because it was the whole like Terrigen Bomb thing that she happened. Might be but... a mutant. I'd be great if she's MCU's first mutant. But it obviously looks like the arm thing is going to be the source, right? Which That's could the be the Nega Bands. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, maybe she's the new Quasar. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I, I, I liked it. I think it looks really cool. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, the only thing I want to comment on as far as the discourse goes, because a lot of it's just dumb. But the one thing I want to say is I understand that um, people want to see her. A lot of people are very happy to see her as a Muslim woman, a Muslim superhero. And that's really cool. And I'm very happy for them. But I've seen a lot of hate for Soraya Dust being like, oh, see, this is what a real Muslim superhero should be like, not like Dust. Like, you know, I've seen a couple of people make those comments like she's she's just a submissive, blah, 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 like trying to be like she's she's worse. No. And, and fuck you. They're two completely different characters. Yeah. And all you're doing is saying they should be the same because they're both Muslim. So you're actually being incredibly hateful by by even comparing them like that. Um, so I just wanted to get that out there because I almost went off on someone on Twitter, but I didn't want to get I didn't want to blast our our uh, podcast account with yeah. that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, um, like I'm happy for the fact there are two female Muslim superheroes and they can have a spotlight on two different parts of Muslim culture. Yeah. Whereas, and this is the important part. Dust lives in the Middle East, <laughs> and and Miss Marvel lives in New Jersey. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? She's gonna be more Americanized. And fuck off. Also, we call her Congregation now, so catch up. So, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I got on that. But yeah, um, I think it's gonna be good. So, oh, it looks very fun. And the first reviews for Moon Knight are out, by the way. Oh God, yes. They everybody's like, holy shit! Like all the reviews <laughs> I've seen has been like. Like a lot of the reviewers who got the previews got four episodes and they blew through them immediately. Fuck. Okay. This one cool. guy I was following watched the first episode. He said that was an insanely good first episode. Okay. And I'm very excited. So yeah. <laughs> All right. With that in mind, let's start talking about some comics. As always, we start the show not with a bang. We start with a boom. Boom Studios, and we got a couple books to talk about. First of all, I'm going to talk about Angel Number Three. Written by, he comes back up, Christopher Cantwell. Illustrated by Daniel Bayliss. Colored by Patricio Del Page with Maria Agostina Vallejo. And lettered by Becca Carey. I'm not going to talk too much about it. It is in issue three. Um, they're fighting the sorrow demon. They managed to find a way to make um, to make Angel normal size again. 
uh, and they they play a lot with the like the alternate reality of it all, where it's not the real world, but maybe this person comes from this world. It's really good. I'm enjoying it, uh, and the one thing I, I have a little bit of difficulty because um, Wesley kind of looks like Angel, but just st- with stubble. So I have to remind myself that's Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and then um, and Oz is there, and Andrew are there, and they're both about the same size and. There's a lot of like I'm gonna have to take a moment, you know, like it, it doesn't click with me super visually right away, but it it just takes an extra moment, and then I'm I'm good. Lauren's in it, and this is a really good Lauren issue if you're a Lauren fan. I know a lot of people are because Lauren was like the best thing in Angel, so uh, really great. Next up, the finale of regarding the matter of Oswald's body. God, dude, fucking hit me. You need to pick up the trade if you get a chance. <laughs> I definitely am. Written by guess what. Christopher Cantwell, illustrated by Luca Casalinguera, colored by Giada Martizio, and lettered by Ann World. Okay, in the last issue, they shot him. They shot Lee Harvey Oswald. He said, <laughs> yeah. "Now all of his crony- or all his buddies are coming to get them, and they're like, shit, we got to run.' So they run, right? They run. They find this place, this old church, which is like their own Alamo, and like we're gonna make our stand." And so the four of them decide to make their stand. And the bad guy, or uh, they call the cops and they're like, hey, listen, this is what happened. The cops like, cool, we'll be right there. The cops are in on it, of course. Mm. So they show up with the bad guys and it turns into a massive gunfight. Before the fight starts, though, I love this this two-page spread. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's just so beautiful. Like, just the four of them sitting there and it starts with a just massive gunfight right and they take out some of the some of the bad guys and stuff um the first one of our uh people to die is the sharpshooter dude and he actually ends up getting shot through the scope of the rifle he was using yeah so he's down um the mexican uh musician dude Mm -hmm. uh he he's like he's basically a pacifist he doesn't really do anything violent but uh after he sees that guy get shot um, he he basically comes out, takes somebody out, but he ends up getting stabbed. And he says, "Uh, oh, the guy was like, you know, fuck you." The guy goes, "Fuck you back to Mexico." And he goes, "Nah, man, that accent. Don't know where you're from, but this country doesn't want either of us. We just huh. do the dirty work around here." And then they both die. Damn. Like, and then so it comes down to the cowboy and the chick, the Yellow Rose of Texas, is what they keep calling her. And the cowboy is like, "Hey." You know, he gives her his hat and he's like, go, I'll hold them off. I'll give you a head start. And he's like, you know, basically she has Lee Harvey Oswald's wedding ring. They stole it from his body as proof that he's not actually dead. that He's not in the grave. So she drives off and it comes down to the cowboy and the boss and they have a shoot off and they both fire. And then it cuts to all these headlines about Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone Jack Ruby dies in prison. Oswald to be exhumed. All this stuff, right? And it cuts to 1981. And the Yellow Rose of Texas visits the grave. Huh. And puts the puts the ring on the grave. Walks off. And I just love this this little diet, this monologue. But, um... Uh, like, see here, right? 12 hours in Dallas is more than enough to make me shiver. No good guys, just bad. Maybe someone did the right thing. Maybe. Losers lose, but so do winners. So do we all. 
That's just how it goes out here in Texas. That's just how it goes. Uh, yeah, and then you see the boss is watching her, and that's where it wraps up. So, oh, it's so good, dude. <laughs> it was such a good run. I loved it. It was just, uh, just seeing Lee Harvey also get his was just so fucking satisfying. <laughs> like, I loved it. But yeah. Uh, and then our final book for Boom is Basilisk, number eight. Um, this is such a good issue. Uh, I, I, this book, I'm, I love how this book has grown on me. Because it started off, I was like, this is pretty good. And then now I'm kind of like, I'm really looking forward to each issue, you know? Yeah. So, written by Cullen Bunn, illustrated by Jonas Scharf, colored by Alex Guimaraes, and letter by Ed Dukeshire. Well, you know, the the Chimera have rapidly decreased in number from five to two. And their powers are being shared. Um, I Basically, there's going to be like one big confrontation. So. Um, <laughs> basically it's going to be like essentially it's supposed to be like two on one right so it's going to be uh was it hannah is her name i think yeah hannah's the the, the chick the the normal human mm-hmm. and was it reagan is yes. the the eye basilisk one yeah um and then um what it's uh vanessa is that the one that's left yeah it's vanessa Oh no no Vanessa's the one the other one. Um no it's Vanessa. Yeah, I'm right. I'm dumb. Okay. So Vanessa and them they're going basically going to have a standoff. Well, Vanessa has her little group of all these worshipers of them and she's like, "Ah, oh, we're going to work together and all this shit." And that doesn't work. <laughs> because of course, religious zealots interpret things their own way. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be what's happening, which is kind of what she deserves. And luckily she's, a- or not luckily, unfortunately she's able to get away. And then she comes up to what I think this is a chimera village. I know I was trying to, I was trying to figure out a few, like obviously there's a few familiars, but then I was trying to think of like who, and then literally following it up why they would be there. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause it says welcome home. Yeah. So, and they were obviously experimented on. So, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see like how that affects everything. If there's, if there's different powers, are they the same five powers repeated over and over? How are they? Are five people connected specifically? You know, like right. It'd be interesting to see where this goes. But I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love the twist with the worshippers. I thought that was really great. That gave me a big smile. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really good stuff. Anything you want to say? Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's a solid, solid, solid series at this point. Um, eight issues in, and it's kind of like, I mean, we'll see, we're, we'll see when, where it kind of wraps up, but so far, it's just like following, following the, like, the trail, like these two, like, uh, Reagan and, shoot, uh, what was her name? Sarah? Yeah. Um, like, they're following them, so like, there was like the, the contention between like two, or just like really just like Sarah, so now it's like, they have to be working together. It's like it, it just it all goes to shit, and just seeing Vanessa just kind of almost like get hers for a second was cool. But it's like I was like, "Fuck, did that to be from like these guys, from, like these like mortal guys?" Like especially just because like they're so culty. Um, but now it's like, yeah, it's like these three factions are kind of like, yeah, it's, it's it's all kind of working out together. It's really not where I thought I was going to go. Yeah, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. So 
Can't wait to see what comes next. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Oni Press briefly because I have a Rick and Morty book. Rick and Morty presents Morty's Run, a.k.a. Logan's Run. Have you ever, do you know Logan's Run at all? You're Very little. Okay. Uh, written by Ivan Cohen, illustrated by Pust, colored by Andrew Dahl, and letter by Crank. Uh, it's a one shot. Basically, Morty is supposed to go away to camp. And uh, Rick is like, oh, I'll take him to camp for you. And then he doesn't take him to camp. Rick is like, I'm going to go somewhere and sleep with an alien, basically. <laughs> He's like, but I'm going to drop you off here. It's this planet. It's called uh, um, it's called Galtos. But he's like, if it wasn't called Galtos, it would be called Morty World. And everyone there is 13 or younger. And it's this whole thing. Those who know the reference material probably get this more. But basically, like, as soon as you are 14, they have to kick you out. And there's this whole thing about running across the desert. He meets this hot chick, and she's, like, working with him and stuff. And she's she's treating him really nicely. And, like, it's really funny. Um, I thought it was a pretty good uh, issue, especially the ending, which is really funny. Um, she basically betrays him and made it clear that basically at the end, she's she thought he sacrificed himself. And she's, like, telling her friends at the new place they were escaped to, oh, I had to find someone dumb enough to help me, and he shows up. And she's like, oh, ha, well, I'm going to go. And so in the end, Morty pulls a full-on Rick, where he, where Rick is like, I'm, I can pick you up. He's like, no, I just need a little bit more time. So uh-huh. he goes and he finds the sandworms that attacked him. Yeah. And he finds the kids that are in charge of kicking out 13-year-olds, or, or higher than 13-year-olds. Mm-hmm. He shows them where the hideout is, and then waves them goodbye. Then he gets in the ship and sees basically over overhead that they're just killing all the older kids. Like, it's just great. The, the B story of this is the camp he was supposed to go to, Rick sent another Morty, which is a really dumb buff Morty. Um, and so he's at camp, and uh, he's, like, really popular. All the girls are like, you're so cute, Morty, and stuff like that. And um, in the end, he's really stupid, though. In the end, he ends up burning the camp down, it's implied, because you get this shot. So, oh, yeah. shit. It was pretty funny. I really, I really liked it. All right, next up, we're going to all hail Behemoth. And I'm going to talk about No Holds Barred number four. Yes, it keeps going, and I love it. This one is a combination of several plays. Um, written by Eric Gladstone, art by Gabriel Cari, color art by Inez Bravo, and letter by Aditya Bidikar. Um There's a lot in this one. There's the two gentlemen of Verona, but there's also Romeo and Juliet. And then there's bits of other ones too. Um, But it's really funny because um, basically the bard and his sidekick show up. The sidekick falls in love with Ferdinand. And he's like, I must love him. And there's actually a really pro LGBT message in this one, which is really great. Um, But there's also the story of like Romeo and Juliet. Which kind of ends in the whole, like, normal, like, they use the poison to fake their death, but they think they're dead, so they kill themselves. But they end up not killing themselves, because the bard's like, don't be stupid, <laughs> basically. Oh, like, he's, he's just like, what are you stupid? Stop it. <laughs> like, also, the apothecary, which is one of my favorite things in Romeo and Juliet, this random apothecary, looks like this. <laughs> and I adore him. He looks like that in every shot. I'm not kidding. He's the best. Uh, <laughs> he's so cute. Um... The imagery in this one is probably my favorite imagery, actually. 
um, of the series so far. I really enjoy it. Um, also, when him, him and Ferdinand finally let their their emotions oh. show, yeah, I really like that. Um, but yeah, the the imagery like um, in the funeral, the faked funeral. There's this shot. Ooh, okay. With all the bodies, I really think yeah. that looks cool. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really great gay moments too, which is great. They're constantly all over each other. It's fantastic. And basically, so um, Ferdinand's dad is just like, "You can't lay with a man." Blah 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 blah. And then um, the bard shows up and just basically shakes the dad down. Be like, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" He's just like, basically like you know let him let him be with who he wants to be with you know what i mean like he's like don't be a, such a fucking asshole basically don't be a homophobe basically um he actually open and slaps the dude at one point which is great so uh yeah really good stuff i i really really liked this issue um it is still going to continue going it says the next issue is called the hark knight returns which is fantastic so i love this book it's fun Next up, we are traveling over for an aftershock. And I got one book. I'll make it quick. It's Bylines and Blood, number three. Oh, yeah. You really like this one. Yeah, it's really dope. Uh, written by Erica Schultz and Van Jensen. Art by Anike and letter by Cardinal Ray. The first few issues are done in a landscape style. And it's really cartoonish. And it's her dream. And in this, she's known as Lady Dick because she's <laughs> a detective. Which I just love, love that so much. There's like a joke in there. It's like, why would you give yourself such a stupid name and stuff like that? But after getting her ass handed to her twice in the last issue, she she wakes up in the hospital and she just continues the investigation as it goes on. Um, it's really cool. And um, I'm just going to get to the, the point of it. She runs into the invisible person again. Mm-hmm. And the invisible person transforms into her and kills somebody in front of witnesses. So people think she did it. Well, she's like, fuck no. And she chases him down and tackles the invisible dude. Is able to see him, you know. Um, and then we see him without the actual cloak on, finally. And that's what it looks like. It's like creepy as fuck looking. Yeah. But Stuff. basically, the, the cops who witnessed the killing saw this guy and realized she's innocent, right? And these two cops who she's been kind of like, I don't know if I could trust them, are like, hey, we got your back. You know, we, we understand what's happening here now. But then they turn around, and then there's a picture of her wanted lady dick for murder, <laughs> and that's where the issue wraps up. There's only one issue left, so I'm curious. But very good stuff. Loving that so far. Next up, Josue, talk to me about Life Zero, number two from Ablaze. Uh, Life Zero, number two, writer Stefano Vietti, artist is Marco Cicciato, colors is Andres Bosa. And oh, there you are. Letter, lettering by Saida Temofonte. Uh, so it's kind of like it chapter chapter two to uh, a zombie story. They they took out like the first chapter, first issue. They took out like this military esque team uh, went to take down uh take out Shaco. This is name basically their commander out of this prison. They basically need him for like to just finish off this job. Uh, but he's not going to do it until we all ag- they all agree to do something for him and. I guess, yeah, his wife is also jo- joins uh, the group, and they basically just, like, he's not going to leave until um, they rescue their daughter from, like, whoever whoever has her. So it's kind of like this first chapter, like, the second chapter is just, like, 
having the team together. Also, Commander Shaco just with like the short because he has like the the black sideburns, like the like the sides are black and black sideburns, and like a, a top short uh, blonde, and he just he just looks like Johnny Gates to me every single time I look at him. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, everybody's together just trying trying to go through some zombies. Um, there's a yeah, the kind of like a trope like of like the one guy who was hiding his bite. Uh, and it's kind of like where like the clip uh, where where the cliffhanger ends ends. But at least like now there's like a a sense of a sense of purpose to uh, the book, and it's like it's really just like retrieving the daughter, and then just like really trying to get the fuck out of here. So it's, yeah, it's just like a, a quick a quick second issue. Nice. All right, now we're gonna kick it over to Image, and we have a stack. Hostway, I want you to start with time after time number eleven for me. Time after time. Uh, number 11. Fuck. So much. <laughs> so, this team is in the back? No. In there. So, Declan Shelby and Rory McCon- uh, McConville uh, on the writers. Uh, Joe Palmer on the artist. Chris O'Halloran on the colors. And Hassan Otsamane, Otsamane uh, Olau on lettering. <sighs> so, Tatsuo... Isn't it now that he's dying again? Uh, Jeff the robot did the quick scan because he's from the uh, 31st century, and they can do that in the, in the robot. And right now they're in 2042. Um, isn't it now? Uh, even though he knows that he was strapped to like a really shitty uh, pod with no rad shields, and he actually opens like oh, lifts his shirt and sees his chest, and it's just not pretty. Um. And so we get together with um, the FBI lady. Fuck, I was, it's like, I, I, I know her name. I forget. I forget Tatsuo's. I remember Tatsuo's and it's like, I forget hers. But anyway, um, she she's struggling with uh, not the syndicate, but the, the order that was uh, another faction from from the future. And like the, the these two, uh, the, the these partners that stay were staying in the in this past for like a whole year just waiting for Tatsu and her just to jump them just because like they think someone else uh something that happened at another time literally it goes all over the place um she lets them in that's like yo your partner was actually part of the syndicate and she killed the other partner obviously wanted to frame us for it and they don't buy it but they're kind of like uh, they're just more frustrated they just want to get the fuck home anyway so they just want to like get this job done and, and then figure it out when Tatsu and Jeff actually just come in and run them both, run the guy over, and like the the lady kind of dodges, but Jeff is quick enough to uh, pick up the gun, and he he's just so fucking cool. I, I love I love this robot. Um, so they force him to reveal where their pot is because back in the last issue, the little boy from that got old, and God, he's just gonna make a whole mess of everything. He's still the only pot that that we thought they had, but now with these guys. There's one more. We steal it. And uh, now we're going to try and go to the future. May- hopefully for Tatsuo, there's kind of a side story to maybe find a cure. If- eventually, if you hit the future, maybe there's a cure. One, one of those. Uh, Jeff just wants to get to a proper place into his future, so he's not like the weird one out. Um, and then, god damn it, the FBI lady. I just want to know her name really quick. Um, it's-, it's still a mission to try and find her family. Like, like she knows like that her mom like did not abandon her like when like that split happened and like when the other half of the family had to split from then it's still going to be on the hunt to, to find them. 
And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it from for this arc. I think I think there was like the arc the arc closer. Um, just at this point, we're just gonna move literally move forward. There's a whole thing also between uh the the year twenty nine ninety nine and the year three thousand, and there was like a whole like uh power vacuum power uh uh swipe move on little coup and we'll see how that develops it was also another little clusterfuck but yeah time before time a lot of time travel <laughs> nice all right i'll talk about slumber number one yeah um so i really like this one written by tyler burton smith drawn by vanessa cardinale Colored by Simon Robbins and letter by Steve Wands. I was really hoping you'd get this because it reminds me of Heavy from Vault. Ooh, okay. And so I'm like, oh, if, if you get this, maybe you'll get Heavy too. <laughs> I am going to get Heavy. I'm just waiting on that trade. I know. Well, it's, I don't think it's quite at the trade moment yet. I think it's like one issue away because it'll be like a 10, I think, not a Ooh, okay. So um, it's about a serial killer. And it's a serial killer that are doing the, quote, sleepwalking murders, where people, or sleepwalking killings, where people sleepwalk and kill somebody and have no memory of it. They wake up and they're like, holy shit, I killed somebody. Like, what do I do? And the cops don't believe it. Uh It keeps happening. And they keep seeing these symbols everywhere, right? And the message on the wall is, I seek the dream eater. Well... Now we go over to our main character, who is um, is a dream therapist, basically, right? And um, basically, when people have a nightmare, this is ridiculous, and I love it. Um, when people have a specific recurring nightmare, they come to her and her team. They get put under, and Inception style, she's put into their dream with them. Uh-huh. And then she goes in. And kills the bad dream. <laughs> and then they don't have the bad dream anymore because she killed it. <laughs> so it's it opens up with this dude who's like a little kid but with a beard and shit. <laughs> and and he's he has this dream and it's it's about tickle time and you're like, Oh god, what happened to this kid? And so there's this dude chasing him. He runs into his grandma, he's like, Oh grandma and she's like, Aha, and she transforms, she's like, It's time for your birthday tickles. And it's like going for him, right? That's and then cool. you see right there, uh, tickle this, right? And that's when we see our main character who blows grandma's brains out. And she's just a badass, right? She's like, all right, that's done. And basically, you have to tell him in the dream, hey, we killed your nightmare for his brain to process that the nightmare's gone. Right? So she does so, but she does so in a really bad way. She runs, er, And while she's there, she runs into this bunny who has the symbols carved to his chest. And she's like, oh, shit, that's the serial killer markings, right? Mm-hmm. So she's trying to, but she gets pulled out. And she's like, god damn it. And she's trying to figure out, like, what she needs to do to get, you know, to get back in there. She takes on uh, some other missions. So you get to see her solve these other nightmares, which are hilarious, by the way. Um, like, for instance, let me find one here. Um Like the one, here's one like someone actually threatening their grandma, and she's she doesn't kill them, but she puts a gun to their head um, to threaten them. Here's one. It's a dream where it's a dream version of the Beatles, but they're zombies, and it's her killing a bunch of zombie Beatles, which is pretty funny. <laughs> I love that. 
Uh, there's this one, and then the spider turkeys attack, and it's her fighting spider turkeys, which is just fantastic. Cool. And then there's a girl who dreams of an evil goblin king. Boo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. And then the way she solves that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like it's fantastic. Um. But basically, yeah, this whole time she's trying to get back in there. Meanwhile, one of the cops that is doing the investigation, he falls asleep. And he ends up killing a bunch of people. So he wakes up from the nightmare. So, huh. yeah, it's going to be a murder investigation. It's so much fun. The That's art cool. is wacky and awesome. Like, I love it. I love this already. So I'm 100% on board with this book. All right, next up, Josue Stillwater, The Escape. This is a one-shot, right? Uh, it's a one-shot. It was actually a pretty fun one. Uh, quite quite the cast, because um, it's a little anthology. Mm-hmm. I'll elaborate. Uh, so, written, co-created, Chip Zarsky, uh, Ramon K. Perez with the co-creating and artist, Mike Spice with the colors. Uh, and there's three chapters to, to, to this. And it's The Prisoner by uh, Jason Liu. He wrote and drew it. Lifetel by Andrew Wheeler, Sue Lee, uh, and D. Cuffney, yeah, writing artists and colorists, respectively. And Matrimony with, by Ethan Young as a writer and artist, and D. Cuffney with uh, the coloring as well. And Rest with the lettering overall. So we open, with this, uh, we open up at this bonfire. And it's uh, Galen, the um, God damn it, the fucking one of the sh- uh, the sheriff lady um, ladies, and the dude who was running the 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 mutiny way back when, like the explode, like back when, like yeah, when back when the mutiny happened, the 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 leader of the, the leader of the organization. Uh, so they're all there, and they explain they they explain that it's um, that this tree really hasn't died down since. Stillwater just became to uh, came to a still, so I'm not sure if this could be a the source or is part of a source, but that's what they kind of they really kind of don't want to like put it out either. Um, so they come up, they, they come over here to just tell us some stories, uh, just like the, uh, this this old tradition of being around bonfire, and it's about the uh, potential people who have uh, su- successfully escaped. And we we opened up uh, back in 1990, and this lady puts a, a sign on this post and drives away. Cut back into town, and a guy is just uh, the sheriff is just like pummeling this guy and throwing him back into his store, and like and just um, it, it's, it's just not, not it's just not it's not well. And it cuts to three years before that in '87, and he's with his family, and they just they're just they just had it. They want to leave. It's but when Stillwater's like been still and some people have just like like uh got impatient with like the whole like uh discommunication from like the whole world and so a lot of people want to leave but that just meant to actually die to to keep the secret so mom picks up the son from uh being uh playing with galen and she fucking leaves they fucking make a they make a break for it and then it cuts to 2010 and it cuts to the guy that didn't get to leave. Like when she, when she's leaving, she says, uh, I'm sorry, Alan, uh, translating from, translating from Mandarin. And, and yeah. And then he gets caught 
Um, the sheriff catches him. I'm pretty sure he tried to make a break for it too, but literally 20 years later, he, every time he tries, like they just keep catching him. Um, and then the sheriff just threatens him like, yo, what makes you think I haven't caught like that? We didn't catch up with them. Like they're dumb, bro. And then cuts to 2015 and you see the mom and like the kid much older leaving a post from back from 1990. Like there's like a little cut, um, that said, uh, saying uh we're safe in california i was like they had family over there so obviously he was full of shit um and they're just like waiting for and they're just waiting for him so like one last cut back to like the guy back to like the whole mutiny explosion night he makes a fucking break for it and it looks like he was like walking in line to maybe finding the post and then it just cuts back to the the campfire and it's like well we'll see hopefully hopefully they make it and then the third story it's when um the old guy that was running the, the mutiny group, he tells his story about someone he knew about. And it was about this kid, about this kid who, uh, about one of the very few uh, gay kids in this uh, Midwest town uh, who just get, get along with all the men in town, especially uh, the ones that were uh, bored with their marriages, as, as he would put it. And there's one night or um, he just, his, he's really just had it like, his, like hanging out with friends and just like, shooting each other uh, blindly and like kind of drunk isn't cutting anymore. It's like, there has to be more to it. And eventually he kind of makes a walk for it and we'll see what happens. And they kind of question the guys like, Oh, like, how do you know? How do you know this is true? Or like, well, I was one of those bored married guys. And they look at him and I was like, bro, really? And then like, not in like in a homophobic, homophobic way, but it's like, were you were cheating. But it's like, yeah, like you live forever, especially when time stands still. And like you learn to discover about your things about yourself. And it's like, I miss him. And I like to think he's still alive. And that's when the sheriff enters. And it's like, and it does like the whole like, what makes you think I didn't fucking find him? And it's like, uh, like, I hope he fucking didn't. Uh, and that's when we go into like the last story, uh, matrimony. And it's kind of similar as the first one. Like the wife eventually does make a, uh, does eventually escape at, at one point during one of the like town meetings. And the husband just gets really bitter because he was just like trying to keep her there, but became more bitter after she left because after like off of regret. And then like the kind of town like takes it out, takes it out on him. Just like he just gets beaten down and like nobody does anything about it until one day he just finally runs and he falls into like this did into, into this trap. And like his pursuers are kind of like, oh shit, we're actually don't know how far we're, we're if we're even past the, the line or not. He could be dead. Like, and it's deep enough that don't want to go. D- we don't want to go down there to pick you up. I guess we'll just find out in the morning when we when we can get a rope. And he kind of is able to pick himself up, but it's still unclear if the, if they were past the line. And he's trying to make a, make the climb, and then a hand reaches to get him, and it's his wife that came back for him. So it's like, oh sweet, like happy ending. But there's also, there's also half of the sheriff story, and then he gets a stick and pokes at the fire in the in the bonfire. And gets out a skull that still has like pulsing like eyes and like part fleshy because like it's been a fucking punishment to yeah. some to someone, right? And he so he just like he just leaves like being all cool like yeah I pretty much caught everybody y'all were talking about like fuck y'all. <laughs> so 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 he leaves and Galen being like kind of like the person who's running the town he's just like uh it's a pretty cool move where he's just like yeah like get that person out like they've they've served their sentence like obviously like whoever the fuck that is so it's cool we might get a new character off of these stories one of these people might be in uh a new character here in it from here on out we'll just figure out who but i want to say the guy 
like all these people minus this person, whoever it is, every other, every other person did successfully uh, escape based on the first story. Cause like uh, of the family that, that did that were kind of coming back with the post. And then the like, uh, last epilogue is Galen is ha- has been escaping to the neighboring town because like they sell really good burgers there. And then, <laughs> and then it, and he kinda, he's kind of like, wouldn't it be nice if like forever was here too. And then where we, la- where we left off in the, the arc closer was that they can maybe expand the borderline of the line. So we'll see how that, again, how that all plays out. <laughs> yeah. Stillwater is just like a good little sleeper book. That's some shit I would do. Like, I'd be like, well, here I'm immortal, but they have really good burgers over there. <laughs> it's like, hmm, what if I die? <laughs> um, all right. We have some more image books to talk about, starting with what's the furthest place from here? I'm surprised we're starting here with uh, the shared books. Yeah, I mean, we always end with the one we're going to end on. And so beyond that, I was just like, we love all these books. There's no reason to put them in a specific order. So. Mm-hmm. Storytelling by Tyler Boss and Matthew Rosenberg. Lettering by Hassan Atsmani Al-Hau. Ah, this book is so great. And I love how <laughs> it seems like the chapters within the issues get shorter and shorter every issue. Yeah. Every chapter is one page now. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> um, basically, we're at the carnival now. And a lot is happening. Uh, so much is happening. We're not going to be able to go over all of it because it's a lot. The two big things that I think are uh, really interesting is um, specifically Proofrock coming face to face with the strangers in the House of Mirrors <laughs> was terrifying and very interesting. Uh, and then also, of course, the dunk tank oh, bro. was brutal and absolutely insane. Like, uh, like it's such a good book. So I'm trying to talk in code a little bit, at least to you know. But I like that. I like that the the academy is like trying to be like, let's make some allies. Let's try to get established again. And Proofrock just fucks it all up. Just fucks <laughs> it all up. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. I loved this issue. A lot of characters to keep track of, though. Again, we talk about it every issue, but this cast is getting insane. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I really liked it. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I'm wondering how much of a gag that is to just like keep throwing away. I know we're going through like from factions to factions, but the fact that they just they just stay they're just they're so good at making them as just relevant characters. They're not just toss away characters, even though kind of we're going from place to place. But it's just like what they say is just so important that it's just like you. Everybody's just so interesting. Uh, fucking Mallory's a psycho though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love her, but she's a psycho. Uh, but yeah, the dunk tank scene is haunting. Is I the tension it's in that out. scene is fucked. If I didn't know this was the same, uh, like creator as um, oh my god, I forgot the name of it. Last year, Dark Horse, um, with the town, Dead Dogs Bite, Dead Dog, Dogs Bite, Dead, yeah, yeah. If I didn't know this was the, from the same creator, this would have told me this is the same creator. This issue, I was oh, okay. Like, that dunk tank scene, I was like, "Holy crap!" That's straight out of Dead Dog's Bite. Like, mm-hmm. so I really thoroughly enjoyed it. No Meryl in this issue, though. I know. And I've been looking forward to Meryl. <laughs> that's why that's there's so much tension. I didn't have like a a good crack up because he didn't say his stupid lies or anything. <laughs> I exactly. can't believe I needed him. <laughs> All right, next up. The season two finale, if you will, of the Silver Coin. <laughs> yes. Number 10. 
Writing, line work, and lettering by Michael Walsh. Coloring by Tony Murray Griffin and Michael Walsh. I oh. okay. Uh, this is two, the second part of Covenant, which is the one that was set in, during Pilgrim times, but this was actually set during modern times or modern-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to kind of get a little bit more lore finally about the the coin and about how it was cursed. But the curious thing is, is in Covenant One, they made the point that shit was going down before then, and I thought that's what we were going to talk about. But instead, we're talking about the you know in the future. Mm-hmm. So he still leaves up the opportunity to go further back when he does want to revisit it. Yeah, but I, I liked this one. This was very much like a, a slasher, like friends hanging out in the house and they're trapped in the house slasher, but told it like three hundred times speed because it's a comic instead of a two hour <laughs> movie. So I really dug that. Lots of creepy imagery in this one. Lots of violence, um, and just it's so insane and. Uh, like I loved it. Um, I love the main character. I love her like ability to like speak with animals a little bit. Right, there's something there. Yeah, I really like that. Um, I thought it was really good. What do you think? It's I love the series, and even though like this one just happens so fast on like again like the whole covenant and like we're like oh this is like more important important because of the lore. What's not to be slept on is the present time, or like also like the 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 story that uh, that's up in front here and i cannot wait for like not when this is when the silver coin is is over but when there's enough of it and instead of just like putting these down in numerical order we can put these down in chronological order because it's like this one just like it will seem like kind of pivotal to like when we can kind of piece it with other stuff that happens along the way before and after because it almost seems like this one could have been like it, this is like it's like I'm pretty sure it's like in the ni- early '90s. I think there's like some context to to that. Uh, I don't know some pop culture reference. Um, it, it seemed like this might have been like one of the or the last time to maybe stop the silver coin because we know there's like that the super far out future second us uh, right second like a uh, sci-fi one. So like it was like oh like this this one just seems like it it seems such a slow burn of an issue but it's almost pivotal for like later and i i love the series so much that's one of the things that made it so tragic because we know it doesn't work yes because we've seen the future so you're like oh no this isn't gonna work and you're <laughs> like oh and like i really like that so i want to point out actually um so of course we know the the talent for the next uh volume mm-hmm. of this james tynan stephanie phillips uh johnny christmas and porn sack Pichote. um they accidentally copied the summary for issue one in the in the outro. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> like now I don't know what's going to happen. I also wanted to ask: Did you read "Unrighteous Instruments" at the end? It looks like a letter page, but it's actually a story. And it was written oh. by Aditya Bidikar. Oh, right, right, right. No, I, I didn't. I didn't get down to it. Read it when you get a chance. It's really oh. like you'll really dig it. So, yep. All right. Uh, next up. Rain number three. Uh, written or story by Joe Hill with the adaptation by David Boer. Art by Zoe Thurgood. Colors by Crystal Halloran and letter by Sean Lee. Um, I, re- I really liked this issue because I was worried. Uh, we talked about it a bit is that I don't like little kids in stories. Yeah. Um, they kind of bother me. And I was kind of like, why don't they just turn around and take him back? 
And they kind of say, well, it would be easier just not to, to be honest with you. And I'm like, fine, that's fine. But the good news is, is that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> um, again, I don't know exactly how much I want to spoil, but long story short, they met a guy and he was a cop and I was kind of like, oh no, I had a, like, he seemed too nice. You know what I mean? And I was kind of on the lookout for that. But the best part was that wasn't even the problem. Like, he was actually probably an actual genuinely nice guy. <laughs> like, unfortunately, he does not survive the issue. He he neglects to make it in a very fucked up way. <laughs> like, yeah. so. Uh, and long story short, our main character is uh, separated from her compatriots. And uh, the the guy she's been traveling with is going to take uh, the kid back to um, back to back home because she's taken as a hostage to drive a truck for a, an escaped convict. And the now they're going to way. yeah, they're going Canada. They're going to Canada, which is just sucks. So I like this because they're going to be like traveling around a lot, mm-hmm. and we can rotate the cast occasionally. It'd be like Walking Dead if Rick Grimes never got a group. Which I really like the idea of. So, and I like the I really like the touch of the fine rain they had that night, where it's like right needles. I thought that was really cool. And then, like, but really then he awesome. kind of kept. I mean, yeah, like it seemed like he. I thought it was like almost like palming one over and feeling like the little pricklings. But then, like his little struggle of actually trying to take them out, it's like oof. No, like they were. Yeah. It, but yeah, I can only imagine like the image on how it would look a little misty to be like tempted to just like feel it was like nope, you're fucking dead. Yeah, it's insane. So, uh, really good though. Anything else you want to add about it? Um, I'm just surprised. I'm surprised where I can go because, like, yeah, we're definitely splitting the party here. But there's like, I'm. Pre- I think I saw this out of five. So, like, we'll, we'll see how where where it can go. Because, like, once I think I kind of figured the story out, it's like, oh, like after like three issues, and it's like now we're definitely not going the right way. Uh, so I'm, I'm just I'm curious where where it's going to land. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they're going to do it as a mini. I'm pretty sure that it's based on a story that's longer than that. Okay. Um, I, it might be a, a novel, if I remember correctly. Because it's, it's, it was Joe Hill's original work, mm-hmm. and this is an adaptation of it. Nice, okay. Um, maybe it's a short story. Um, it is a short story. It was in Strange Weather 4. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. Five issues, so we'll see. All right, and finally for image, homesick pilots, number thirteen, our favorite haunted battle of the bands <laughs> that just never gets old. Um, I went with this cover. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool looking. So, uh, written by Dan Waters, drawn by Casper Vingard, letter by Aditya Bidikar. We finally get introduced to the final ghost of the um, the house properly, uh, and it's just the design is so fucking metal. <laughs> like that's the only way I can describe it. And then, like, we finally get an idea of like you and me talked about in the last uh, last review of this book is that we um, we we're like, what is his role in this? All the other main characters seem to have a role. You know what I mean? Like, what purpose are they serving? And then literally they spend the issue of him being like, I, you know, I, like, I was, I'm the one that's basically the one who doesn't have a role. That is his role. So he's making this his role. Um, And 
it's just it, it's really sad for Rip because like he's like you know you get the jealousy you know Amy and Buzz they're together now they got their whole thing outside of me and I, I read this line I'm like this is so sway I heard him saying this <laughs> The drummer's always the one who gets replaced and no one even fucking notices. And I love that. Even in the middle of this, we get that little bit of a musical yeah. reference. Like, I thought that was great. Um, also, the scene where he's remembering the cop beating the shit out of him. Right. And remembering, hey, you know, I screamed for help and it didn't come. And it's just like, oh, man, this kid had it worse than we thought. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And then we see the the... <laughs> I mean, the Sentai armor basically he puts on. <laughs> I just love how Sentai this is getting. And it's just dope. Uh, I liked Buzz a lot in this issue, too. Uh, he was really good at the end. Uh, I just loved this. It was really good. We're getting a little bit of development. And I'm so worried this is going to end. You know what I mean? Like, it's been so good. It'd be really unfortunate if it ends. So, what do you think, dude? I mean, not when all three of them already just got their henchin. So, <laughs> yeah, I need this to go for another, at least another three volumes. Now that we, now that they each have their own, um, it's it's so dope. It's yeah, no, I I really like his. It just seemed like Rip was Rip was slept on, but he has been such a pivotal character uh, for this for this book. So it's kind of like this issue is kind of more like. You thought so too, motherfucker. And it's just like, it makes you feel bad. And it's like, no, Rip is just, has always been our fucking boy. And it's like, yeah, it's like, like you said, like with like the cop thing, it's just like, he really has been going through so much that we just haven't really been paying attention. If anyone's the main character of the series, it's probably Rip. It's almost right. If you look, if because you really look at it right. There's a period of time where they weren't there. He was in the desert. Mm-hmm. You know, like we followed his story, basically. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting to look at from this angle now. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, really good stuff. Loving it. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Vault. Keith is going to open the vault for a couple books. First of all, the last book you'll ever read, number six. Josue, I got an undressed cover. You ready for it? Let me see. Since they can't. <sighs> now, look, look at, look. I love, look at the yes, shape. some firm action the there. <laughs> and then. Yeah, it's just it's just hot. It's very hot. And then you can see the background again. All demonic and shit. Like, dope. It's, just so, it's so dope. So, love this book. It's so good. Written by Colin Bunn. Drawn by Layla Lays. Colored by Vladimir Popov. And lettered by Jim Campbell. Uh, so, this one came pretty quickly after the last one. Uh, because we, we waited a while for issue five. Then we got issue six really quick. Um, but basically, what we're finding out is um, the author finds out she didn't write the book. She meets an old lady who's like, here's the, like, look at this book. And it's like an age book that's like ready to fall apart. And it's the book she wrote. And it was basically, she's a conduit to get it out into the world, to open up the primal urge of everybody and everything. Um, meanwhile, the the bodyguard dude is like trying to defend her. He gets bitten and he has to like wrap it up in a shirt. Um, also, this shot, I thought you would really dig this. I do. <laughs> like, I mean, that one would be a, co- a poster or cover. Yeah, right. Um, and then we find out this is what they do, the non-believers. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's it's insane. Everything's going to hell. And um, her agent, uh, what's her name, Willow, is now one of the feral people. Oh, no. And it's like after her, too. And... Uh, the bodyguard keeps fighting him off and he, he's like, it's really interesting because he's read parts of the book. So I'm like, 
if he's in all these violent situations, how long is it before it takes over him? Right. And she's like coming to grips with the fact that it, she's responsible for this. So we, we do get the answer. This isn't something she intentionally did. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that just happened. Um, I really like this cover. It's for the next one. Because uh, you Ooh. see her feet a little bit, but then it reflects her entire body in the in the puddle. Yeah. So I really like the idea of like it's a reflection, but you can't see the actual. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's really cool. So really liking this. It's still going. I thought it ended at six, but uh, we're going to still go. I don't know if we're going to get eight, ten, or twelve, but really enjoyed it. And then I'm just going to quickly mention that uh, the Vault Reserve publishing uh, versions for Heathen. It's not just issue one. It looks like it's going to be at least the entire run of the first one. And I got number two for it. So very, very happy for this because I don't actually own Heathens. Yes, it's so cool. I'm very excited. Um, Of course, written and drawn by Natasha Alterici and letter by Rachel Deering. So I love how this one opens the whole like, do you think the world will end today, brother? The fucking wolves. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's so good. At least you won't have to wait so long in between volumes if they're all going to be like back to back like that. That's so cool. Yeah, and they're really pretty. They're very thick. Mm-hmm. Like they're really good quality. So I'm very excited about that. So, all right. Next up, we're gonna go to the big two. Josue, let's talk about DC Comics. Yes. Uh, I have some solos. Josue has one solo, so I'm gonna do two. You're gonna do one. And then one. And I'll do two. Uh, so, all right. We're gonna start off with the Flash number seven eighty. Now, I don't normally re- re- actually review the Flash. Uh, because it's not one of the books on my list, but it is part of the War for Earth 3 crossover. So I wanted to make sure I got this issue. Written by Jeremy Adams, and drawn by Will Conrad, colored by Jeremy Cox, Matt Herms, and Peter Pantazis, and letter by Rob Lay. Um, so I got to catch up on some Flash lore, which is really cool. I do like Flash. It's actually one of my favorite DC heroes, and I should probably be buying this book. Maybe I'll start. Um, but it's really cool. Um, it does tie into the War for Earth 3. And that Johnny Quick is there, and he ends up getting into a fight with Flash. And Mirror Master shows up and is kind of like, he's, because again, because we have the two Suicide Squads now. We have Waller's Suicide Squad, which seems to be the bad, bad guys. And then we have, um, we have the other Suicide Squad, which is kind of like the middle kind of bad guys. And Mirror Master is one of them. And it, we get a really cool fight scene between Flash and Mirror Master, which I always appreciate a good Flash Rogue. We've talked about that in the past. Um, but they get into a fight scene. Long story short, Johnny Quick is there to steal the Cosmic Treadmill and succeeds in doing so. Uh, so next up is Teen Titans Academy. So now we have an idea of what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I really like Flash. I always have. Um, and maybe I should start buying this book. Maybe I should cut something and buy this book instead. Um, but it's been really good. I'm really enjoying it. So. Take a dip uh, out of Gotham for a second. It. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is Teen Titans Academy for the crossover. So, mm. you know, I had to pick this one up. So. Yeah. After that is the finale to Titans United, number seven of seven. And uh, written by Kevin Scott, penciled by Jose Luis and Daniel HDR, inked by Jonas Trinidad and Daniel HDR, colored by Rex Locus and lettered by Carlos Mengual. Um, so yeah, it comes to a head, uh, the whole story that we've been having in this world. Um, and it, it does definitely feel straight out of the TV show as much as possible here. Uh, basically in the end, these bad aliens want to destroy the planet. Um, one of the things they did is they empowered a bunch of random people, um, around the world, giving them powers to sow chaos, which would, you know, make earth easier to conquer. 
But the Titans instead work with all the people with powers, and now there's like 400 Titans or something. And so they work together to stop the aliens. It's pretty cool. They have to team up with, um, with, uh, with, um, uh, oh my god, my mind went blank. Uh, Blackfire, <laughs> the Starfire's sister. So they have to team up with her to do it. And it's pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a good, nice, contained Teen Titans run. Um, and it's got Jason Todd in it. So I don't know what else you could possibly want. Uh, but yeah, really good stuff. Next up, Postway. I need you to talk to me about World's Finest Number One and convince me I need to go pick it up. It was uh, it was pretty, it was really good. I really much enjoyed it. Batman, Superman, World's Finest. This one by written by Mark Miller, or Mark Miller, Mark Wade. <laughs> God damn it! I was like, would have not gone that book. Totally different story. <laughs> would have not gone that book. Mark Wade, legendary. Uh, and then to just like to make. It's like this book choice. I'm Dan sorry, Moore. I have, I, have to, I have to make this joke. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to be like Superman pointing to his chest. And be like, you think this letter stands for France? <laughs> I had to get that out. So yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, drawn by Dan Mora and colored by Tamara Bonvillon and lettered by Dita Bidikar. Such a great all-star team. The whole thing is a great fucking team and a pretty good start. It tells us uh, an A story and a B story. Uh, in the not too distant past is where it opens up. And Poison Ivy is a metropolis, and she's literally toying. She basically she realized like, oh, maybe with a little bit of more uh, of a photosynthesis, I'll have a little bit of boost than gloomy as Gotham. And she's waiting for uh, soups, but Batman shows up. And I'm pretty sure it's Tim Drake on this uh, Robin suit. Mm-hmm. It's because uh, like the the green pants instead of the. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll get to the other part in a second. He shows up. Uh, Batman shows up. They show up. And obviously follows her plans. Uh, and Superman is able to cover the other side to for the for the rescue, and only for Metallo to show up. And with the uh, powered by a green green kryptonite heart, so obviously Superman can't do anything. Um, and it becomes a, a pretty sweet team up because shit, Metallo's putting Superman down, and we still have to worry about Poison Ivy here. Um, but it's all good because uh, yeah, holy shit. <laughs> um, uh, Batman's able to fling uh, Robin over into Metallo because nobody's able to get get that close, but they underestimate the humans. And uh, fucking Tim comes in and just impales Metallo's heart with uh, with uh, his staff, and it's so dope. But it also just triggers uh, Batman, uh, sorry Superman, to, to go more berserk because instead of just killing him with the with the green kryptonite, they wanted him to go berserk, and they injected him with a, a cocktail of red kryptonite so he's just going to be phasing out and then we cut to um years before the attack and yeah it's a much it's a much younger uh batman because uh he loses the because when we see him in the in that fight he has like the yellow symbol on the the gray and blue suit that that batman suit and this is more of a the the much older bat suit on his chest but no yellow uh but still kind of that gray and it's and and by this line alone, it's um, <laughs> what was it? Uh, I've never uh, yeah. He's talking to Superman, and he's like, "I've never guessed Penguin would, would go that far." And then Bruce's reply, "That's because you're incapable of thinking like a criminal." It's like, God damn it, we're that era of Bruce. Um, so in this in this era and um, on this attack, they're going for him, and now we have a. Uh, Jason Todd is this uh, Robin here, and he's kind of like the bait back at the uh, in the factory. 
and I forget who's the other team up of the, on like the villain, but Superman comes in and is able to save him. But uh, so basically, these two stories kind of end up being that like on, on the on the earlier one, Superman uh, was able to save Batman, um, and then Batman kind of like almost like second guesses him, like why? And it's like, oh, like don't worry, like I'll always have your back, like one of those, like we're bros. And then it cuts to um, now to the current one because Superman really is going berserk, going into phases of like can't control it now he's like kind of hallucinating he's thinking bruce uh bruce is uh lex luther which is pretty spot on um but bruce is just like getting in the way on like no like i know your name lex doesn't like think this through like just you're kind of going crazy it's 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 all of us um and then i forget oh yeah and then doom patrol shows up and then based on like their powers they're able to calm down um of um, Clark, yeah, Superman, thank you. Um, and they take him to the the colder mansion, and because he literally just uh, stones up, and mm. and so being out there at the mansion, uh, one of the doctors takes out a a briefcase, a doctor's brief, a suitcase, and there's some um, some kryptonite uh, scalpels and some surgery instruments. So, so yeah, we'll see what this is. It's, it's a pretty good start on like these two stories. They like said that the start with these, these two stories to set up the the past one on like. They have been bros forever, like or like at least like that first one to really like start trusting each other, and now it's Bruce's turn to kind of like pay it forward. So it's cool, and also it's it's one of those where like I don't I, when I was getting the comics game, like I, I tell you all the time where it was like during the Secret Invasion era, I was not buying DC books, but every now and then I would check in on like IGN's reviews on comics, and they 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 these two like this this story stood out to me because I was like oh I'll just get this these this two parter. And then it was a, a Superman Batman book by Mike Michael Green, and it was a it was it's literally one of my favorite books of all time. It's this two parter called Little Leaguers, and it's a uh, this other uh, this this other Earth Superman Batman. There's like the mini kid versions of themselves, where like everything's super innocent in their world. We talked about this last week. Oh yeah, okay, cool. So yeah, yeah. It's, 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 that's why kind of I'm, I'm jumping over on this book too because like yeah. I, I need I need another book like that. And now this was titled the other way around. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Next up is Blue and Gold, number eight. Mm. So, <laughs> this cover. Uh, so, you see Jamie, yep. Jamie shows up, and Ted's like, what the hell? And you look at the logo, they're like, literally, you can see the. Oh, like, it's the new one. <laughs> putting the new blue over the. <laughs> yeah, that's great stuff. Um, but that's not the plot of the story, by the way. So, uh, written by Dan Jurgens, art is by Phil Hester and Eric Gapster, um, as well as Paul Pelletier and Norm Ratman, colored by Chris Sotomayor and letter by Rob Lay. Um, basically, they're attacked by somebody who kidnapped Jamie, and um, he. They also send this monster uh, against them, and. Uh, they're fighting him, and then, and then, yeah, the younger Blue Beetle wakes up and just and is helps them stop him, basically. And there's actually a moment where he shows up, and um, he saves the day. And of course, the chat's still going because they're live streaming, and um, everybody goes, "Who's that?" And someone goes, "That's the other Blue Beetle." And then the girl that's obsessed with booster types, younger and more powerful than the first one, and the girl that's obsessed with with Blue Beetle puts younger with a question mark and it's like oh no she's gonna transfer her crush <laughs> like and i love that um the monster they're fighting absorbs energy and it's a great moment where he's like oh they tell me you eat energy 
Let's, uh, let's see how you eat lead and just opens up on him with a couple of automatic guns. Love that. They end up he ends up helping them save the day and they're like, hey, you want to join the team? And he's like, uh, no, I'm good. If you ever need help, I'll, I'll help you. But that's about it. And then we get the cut of who captured him and who set the big monster. And it is the Black Beetle. And there's only oh. one issue left. Shit. So uh, I'm very curious to see what they're going to reveal who it is. I hope it's just Guy Gardner. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, really good stuff. Uh, almost done with that one, unfortunately. And then finally, Detective Comics 1057. I think there's one issue left for the Arkham Tower story. Oh, shit. Uh, so this is the penultimate story, I believe. Uh, written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Amakei Nahopan, excuse me. Colored by Jordi Belair and letter by Ariana Mayer. So everything's going to hell. Nightwing's dosed up on fear gas, so he's out of the fight, basically. Even though Batman did catch him, he's out of the fight. Um, all the all, all these like everybody's working together. It's really cool. Like Harley Quinn's protecting the pharmacies so the bad guys don't steal the pills. Uh, Batwoman's fighting. Batman's fighting. Uh, Lady Clayface even helps out a little bit. It's really dope, right? And. Um, in the end, they, they need to gain control of everything. And um, Scarecrow wants to get Psycho Pirate's mask. Because imagine him with Psycho Pirate's abilities. Right. That'd be insane, right? So he's trying to steal it from him. He picks it up. And then Cass, out of nowhere, kicks him. Nice. The mask away, right? Uh, someone grabbed the mask and everything. And all this stuff is building up. And who picks it up but Mayor Nakano's wife, who's one who is one of the patients there, and puts it on, and she's gonna be the new psycho pirate. Hoo-hoo. And I fucking love it. It's such <laughs> a good idea. Um I would also like to make a statement that I was laying in bed last night thinking about this issue after I read it, and I realized I think Scarecrow is Batman's best villain. Yeah. I think he is He's a he's a villain the entire time, unlike Riddler. So he stays a villain. He has a gimmick. He sticks to the gimmick. He isn't over the top like Joker, you know. Like he's kind of just the perfect normal villain. It is to the it is to the like almost to the, to the antithesis of uh, his whole fear thing too. Yeah, yeah, works perfect. Still ties into Arkham. He's literally to me is he's the prototypical Batman villain. So yeah, popped in my head. So. And then, of course, the story of the kids whose kid whose life sucks, uh, which also only has one issue left, uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Fernando Blanco, colored by Jordi Belair, letter by Rob Lay. Um, basically, he's teaming up with a bunch of villains to take down the Bat family. It kind of sets it up for the next issue, so I'm not going to get too much into it. But yeah, they tr- they kind of trick them in in the um, the sewers into a bad situation. So good stuff. All right. Finally, the shared DC books. Wonder Woman Evolution number five. So, written by Stephanie Phillips. I started re- re- doing it. There we go. Uh, Pencil by Mike Hawthorne. Inked by Adriana de-, de Benedetto. Color by Jordi Belair. And letter by Tom Napolitano. Um, this is the one with her going through all the different trials and where she had to fight the Justice League in the last one and stuff. Um, I liked this one a lot, probably more than the last last issue. Mm-hmm. 
because her fight in the Justice League, I mean, that's something we see sometimes is like one hero against them all, like or this mind control or whatever. I like this a lot because this was a definitively Wonder Woman story. Oh yeah, where she's back on Themyscira and they put her in prison basically for shaming the the Amazons for not being good enough to beat up Superman, essentially. And they put her up against Poseidon's new horror, and it's just, it, first of all, it's a cool monster. Like <laughs> cool monsters are always good. And also the way she solves the situation, which isn't to kill it, it's to tame it and turn it back on the Amazons, <laughs> which was pretty sick. She's also starting to, like, remember that this isn't real. She keeps remembering, like, this can't be real and stuff. And then we get the really cool last page revelation, which is Donna Troy with her hair buzzed. Yeah. Which I think is a very good look for Donna Troy. Honestly, she looked really dope. It was, a, it was a good reveal. Yeah. What did you think of the issue? Uh yeah, uh, again, opposite to the cool closer, that opening shot of her again, I fucking love this black suit so much. So it's like like the whole like the whole chain part, but it's like, yes, it's a cool shot. Um, yeah, I love this book. I, I'm I'm curious where where it, it'll go because like the opening shot was like very uh, Kevin in the woods. It's like I'm wondering who the real play, who the real uh, end game is here. But uh, but yeah, like again, like the way she just solves her shit, I like. Of course, cliche like when they throw the axe over and like just like they don't, I just like cut herself open, but it's like fuck yeah, it's, it's, it's she's still gonna handle it. Yeah, I really really like this one. So um, next up, Wonder Woman seven eighty five. So I am on the I am on the bandwagon for this crossover. Yes. So this is the first time we're reviewing the main line Wonder Woman together. Yeah. Okay, so I got this cover. Oh, I saw that one, yeah. I was kind of torn, but I was like, you know what? I like the Amazon drawing on the blade. I think it's really cool, so I went with that one. Uh, so, Creative Team's at the back, isn't it? Okay. This one, and there's actually a, a backup story, too, which we'll talk about briefly. But uh, Creative Team, Michael Conrad, Becky Cloonan, writing, Rosie Comp drawing, Tamara Von Villain coloring, Pat Brousseau lettering. This is when we find out who the champions for each tribe are going to be. That's <laughs> what the whole issue is about. Yeah. And each one picks in a different way. Uh, so, for instance, uh, the, the Esquisita have a really like cool like little ceremony. Hell and yeah. it's what determines it's going to be Yara Floor. We find out earlier on that Donna Troy has volunteered to represent the Bonhaming Da, <laughs> which is an interesting choice. Uh, it's kind of interesting they would let her. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we'll see. And then for the Themyscirans, they pick Philippus, um, which I think was a cool idea. Right. Um, and then it's like, cool, well, that's our that's our champions. And then <laughs> in almost like a, like, I don't know, like in a really weird way, Diana basically was like, I'm in the competition too. And they're like, there's only three tribes. She's like, I'm my own tribe. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all the tribes. <laughs> I'm Wonder Woman, damn it. Like, it's just like, ah. And I was kind of like, ooh, this might be interesting, Don Troy. And I was actually thinking how, like, before we knew that um, it was going to be Philippus, mm-hmm. I was like, what if they pick Cassie into three Wonder Girls? Right. I was like, that'd be sweet. <laughs> like, but yeah. But uh, but yeah, Diane is like, I'll be in the tournament myself. Uh, the other thing that happens in this is we do see an attack on the girls or the women 
guarding Doom's doorway, two of which who die. Mm-hmm. So that's like a looming threat. And then we have this fun backup story, which is this is great uh, with like a young Diana, and I love the art so much. Um, it is by Pauline, Paulina Ganeshaw, who did. Is she the one who actually did your cover? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe. No, she does a book I really, really like, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Was it Getting Dizzy? I can't remember. But, um, yeah, art by her, uh, write, written by Jordi Belair, cover by Kindle Good, and letter by Becca Carey. And, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I really dug that, too. And after such kind of a serious story, it was nice to have a little, like, you know, fun little thing at the end. So These are actually all over the, the main, the, this main run. The, these old young Diana stories. Oh, that's cool. See, I don't read it, so I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you think? Uh, I, I guess to start to start at the end, because before we just we did uh, the other issue, I fucking love this black suit again. <laughs> the, yeah, this this cliffhanger okay. suit is just so dope. She's like, she's not rocking the colors because, like, you know what? I gotta play neutral. But yeah, like, what did she? What did she call? Like, I represent all the tribes it's like all right diana you can play calm down <laughs> you can play uh, i did like art again like i'm i'm this whole time i'm watching out for artemis and i love how she was just like hey lay volunteer almost like playing her to be like no no it's cool like i i'm, I'm glad that you want to but we have someone else just like so so i know so I, nobody could suspect her for anything i'm, I'm waiting for her big play here mm. yeah yeah definitely um I'm curious to see how this is getting up. I really don't. I don't want Diana to win, right? I, I, I don't. I don't either. Like these are just like. I think, it, I think that's the least interesting option. I mean, because it, it, it is because like right, I mean, you, you have uh, your, your things uh, against uh, Donna Troy, but it's like the fact that she's a player. That's interesting to see, like the capable, like the potential if she wins. We have Yara Flora, the new player, but then like the interesting choice on Philippus. So it's kind of like, yeah, I don't want Diana to win either. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So, all right. Um, and uh, anything else? Nah, I'm, I'm just yeah. wanting to see how this builds. Like we we have our champions. Let the trials begin. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we um, uh, like well, we only have two issues left, right? And one of them is the uh, Wonder Girl one. And so oh, I think wait, we have that's four. Four, five, six, seven? What? I thought there was only three. Oh, maybe I misread. This is part three of seven. Oh, part three of seven. Okay, I misread it then. Okay, never mind then. I was thinking we only had like two left. Okay, good. Good. It's going longer than I thought. I'm yeah, yeah, that's no, a good event. Okay, awesome. All right. And um next up we're gonna talk about Robins. Um so I I'm very excited about this because uh, it was it was a good issue, but uh, it was fun and ridiculous, and that's what makes it great. So I got this cover, the training. Now, <laughs> so I really appreciate the fact they didn't try to make Damien sexy because thirsty. Like, oh, I know I was getting a little worried. That's why I was backing off on some of those. Is like um, but then I looked at it, it was like is dope. It's a cool pose. It's just him working out. Okay, good, safe. You know, safe, safe decision. So, um, written by Tim Seeley. Art by Baldemar Rivas, color by Romulo Fajardo Jr., letter by Steve Wands. Um, basically, we in the last issue we got the tease that the Robins are going to be plugged into like video game simulations, 
we didn't really get an idea of what they were going to be, just that they were going to be simulations. And what we find out is it's what their enemy thinks Batman thought they would be if they weren't Robins. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's very interesting, uh, including Damien would be a Buddhist monk. Brother Agul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Stephanie would be leader of the Teen Titans, which... Sure. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I love Stephanie, but I don't see that happening without Bruce helping her. Um, Jason Todd is a award-winning racer. And, of course, Tim Drake is a spy. I mean, not Tim Drake. Uh, 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 Dick Grayson is a spy, just like he was actually briefly. So, um, And it's kind of like, oh, wow, they actually like turned out okay. Everybody seemed to get what they really want, actually. And meanwhile, we get like actual pop-ups, Scott Pilgrim style of points, little Robin symbols that he gets points every time he like he does the right thing and stuff. So Dick slowly gathers them all together. Actually, very quickly gathers them all together. Literally, he's it's like it's Dick, and then everybody's there but Damien and right. Damien. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and they're working together. They they determine what's going on, and then what they discover is that it's not just. Like, they're not all necessarily happy. And in the end, they crash. They all crash and burn uh, doing what they what they believe they can. So, like, Stephanie tried to lead the Titans against the Justice League and failed, and no one trusts her. And Damien failed at being a Buddhist and basically goes back to the Al Ghuls. And uh, Jason uh, basically became a criminal again, which I hate the idea that Jason just becomes a criminal. Like, well, I think they, they had to, like, crash. It, make, it makes sense. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but... I hate Jason's default is criminal. I've always hated that about DC. So, and then of course, Dick basically is basically looks like he's addicted to opium, but it's basically um, the hypnosis mask he was using and stuff. He's overusing it, and basically they all fall without without Batman. Meanwhile, in the real world, Batman is doing his own investigation, and he finds out a hint and realizes. That it might be the first Robin that he hasn't told anybody about, <clears throat> and so he's doing his own investigation, and yeah, he's he's going through it all, and then we get the revelation that uh, they're going to throw the escape artist at him, which will be a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I really liked it. I loved all the different little like situations, though. Um, like even even Jason's, I, I joke about it, but I just, I just kind of wish it. You know, just poor wasn't criminal. <laughs> like, but that's just, just, that's not even on anyone in particular. That's just the DC line on him, unfortunately. So, um, I like the idea that Stephanie would be the leader of the Teen Titans. I thought that was kind of a cool, like, because I was like, yeah, what would you do with Stephanie? And I'm like, no, that actually makes sense. So, what'd you think? Uh, I, I just really enjoy this book, especially when you would such a funny open with like Brother Al Ghul and it's like the little goofy smile and it's like, this is such a little zen dude when like, you think of Damian Wayne, and it's like, <laughs> he would never think, he smiles, like, he has that fucking grin, but not like this. Yeah. Um, no, the, the whole thing has just become, like, like fun. So, like, and this chase, this chase on, like, the first Robin that's gone to zero, it's like, it has just been so intriguing. It's like, now, nah, like, I've just been, it's been so invested in it. So, I like that they have to, like, oh, just, like, crash the system for them to, like, to, to be able to boot out by just becoming what they not supposed to be so and again like dick grayson like it's just like we're having a little too many stories on him like microdosing ODing, experimenting <laughs> like bro like we can party but it's like let's we gotta control ourselves have a good time 
I had the same thought and I'm wondering if they're sending them a certain direction and that's why they're hinting at it multiple series and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, very interesting. And our final DC book of the week is, of course, Nightwing. I got the normal cover because it's a Bruno Redondo cover, and look at this beautiful. And then he wasn't in the book, so yeah, no, me too. I got, I got this one too. It's gorgeous. So, uh, so Nightwing number ninety, um, another just like fun little self-contained story, like they've been doing on Nightwing, um, written by Tom Taylor, drawn by Gerardo Borges, colored by Adriana Lucas, and lettered by Wes Abbott. Um, basically. Dick Grayson is targeted for death and um like there's there's just basically they're sick and tired of failing. And so they're they're calling in like an ultimate assassin who's just gonna blow up his entire apartment building. And we get the story of Dick basically trying to make sure everybody gets out alive. I love the thing with Maurice, the guy who doesn't wear his hearing aids when he's sleeping, so he doesn't hear the fire alarm. So Dick basically has to tackle him naked out the window, basically. <laughs> Well, he, he, really cool. he barges in and he goes to hand hand him his hearing aid. Yeah. Is this what you do? Steal hearing aids? It's like, where, why does your head go there first? I know, it's great. And then uh, we get a cut over to Wally West, which is cool because I was just talking about him from The Flash. Yes. And uh, I love how he just pops in. And I love the bit that he's like digging the fine dick. And like the whole, yes. like, he broken his fingers several times, but he heals fast kind of thing. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I like that. Like that, the fact that he doesn't, he doesn't have super strength. He's just working that fucking fast. And it's like, yeah, that's obviously causing his fingers. But it's like, oh my God, I really love, I love that bit so much. Yeah. I also like the bro hug they have, because that was a very intimate bro hug. Yes. cheek. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. and, my, and my best friend. I love that moment. <laughs> Sky pals. So, um, and then basically, yeah, I love. I love also the way they did transitions in this one, like this. Yes, transitioning. It's so funny. <laughs> it's almost like a cinematic transition. I love that. Um, but yeah, he's basically no. You're sleeping here tonight. I'm gonna help you. And then you get to see uh, Wally's creepy kids, which are always great. That's one thing I love about Flash when I do read it is Wally's creepy kids. Uh, so, and uh, yeah, they kidnap Barbara Gordon. The bad guys do. And, of course, there's a fridging joke in here. I'm <laughs> like, it's funny, but it's a little on the nose, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, basically, in the end, Flash and Nightwing start a fight. And they're going to go ahead and beat up the bad guys. Uh, I'm very curious about the next issue, the Samir wine dude. <laughs> the guy who picks wines <laughs> for you at a restaurant of death. Sommelier. There we go. So. I'm very curious to see what that's going to be. A guy like is that going to be the bad guy? Is like throws wine at them or something? But um, good stuff. I I like the I like the the whole part with the apartment. That's about half the book, which is fun. Yeah, and then then you get walled in kind of what's going to happen from here. So also Barbara makes a point that they haven't defined their relationship, which is the most important part of the book for me. <laughs> so, but yeah, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I just have so much fun with this fucking book. Like, it just—it's it, funny. Like, yeah, like, and he's my best friend. Like, it's t- it's tender, and yeah, it's like Wally just not giving him a choice. It's like, yeah, well, you're staying, and then in that moment, they're just at his house. I love it. It's just, yeah. I, I love when I can just have fun in a DC world without just having to feel serious or having to take it serious. It's like, ah, oh, it's such a good breath, breath of fresh air. 
and Flash is really good for that. Mm-hmm. Just a moment of levity. <laughs> I, yeah. I like that. So. All right. Now we're going to switch over to our Marvel books of the week. We don't have a lot. I'm just going to tell you guys right off the bat. But we'll get through them and we'll wrap up. First of all, Star Wars Galactic Cruiser Halcyon Legacy number two. This is the one based on the new hotel experience at the parks. Where you stay in a battle, where you stay in a cruiser ship. Yeah. So, written by Ethan Sachs, art by Will Sliney, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettered by Joe Sabino. This this takes the kind of the same format as the previous one, where it's a story, and then in the story they tell a story further back. And this one is about going into a solar storm. I won't get too much into it, but there's a really cool like bounty hunter character who ends up being a badass and um, saving the day. So again, I won't get too much into it. There's one more issue left in this series, but um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Once I have all three, I think I'm really, it's going to be a nice little collection. So uh, after that is uh, I'm going to talk about the reckoning war. Now you didn't read this, right? No. Okay. Reckoning War Trial of the Watcher. This was really interesting, and I got this Peach Momoko cover. Oh, actually, that's really I cool. I haven't seen a Peach Momoko FF, or FF cover, you know what I mean? So right. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, sure. Um, okay, so this one is very interesting, and I think you might actually dig it. Um, written by Dan Slott, art by Javier Rodriguez, letter by Joe Carmagna. Now, the story is Uatu is on trial, right? By the other watchers. They're like, you've interfered too many times, Uatu, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I've only interfered when I needed to. You don't understand. I protected life. And they're like, they take him in a room that basically the room where you can see all alternate realities. And his father, who's the one that's actually putting him on trial, is just like, you you know, you look at all these different realities you know, and all this stuff. He, he says, you always avoid certain realities. But the cool thing is they show, like, a whole bunch of what-ifs. So, like, there's some classic what-ifs, like the Fantastic Five. And stuff oh, like Venom that. Punisher? Venom <laughs> Punisher, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, this is cool. And he's like, the only reality you're afraid to watch is what if you're wrong? What if Uatu, you had never interfered? Ooh. So it goes all the way back, way back to Galactus. That's uh-huh. the first time Uatu interfered. He gives a Fantastic Four warning what was happening. So it goes back, and Silver Surfer shows up. The Fantastic Four have no warning. And Uatu's like, look, see, they have no warning. They can't possibly stand a chance. And Galactus shows up. He starts building his thing, and they're like, look, they're going to lose and all this stuff. And what ends up happening is um, Reed goes inside the, the machine that Galactus is building to try to destroy it from the inside. Um, Sue is able to keep him from completing the machine with her powers, but then Galactus realizes she has to be able to see, so he blasts her in the face. Oh, oh. And permanently blinds her. Yes. Um, and then Thing gets in a, in a fist fight with the bad guy, and he gets a bunch of chunks taken out of him, of rock. At one point, Johnny is fighting the Silver Surfer, and he has to go supernova harder than he's ever been, and he burns himself up really bad. Like, is in Uatu is like, look, look, they're obviously overmatched. And then Reed inside the machine realizes, oh, it's also really hot in the machine, so Reed starts melting. Oh my, oh my god. Yeah, so he's like trying to figure out, he's like, wait, wait, if I do this, I can make zero energy, which would be the opposite of Galactus food. 
So he comes out basically making his old own ultimate nullifier. Uh. And basically tells Galactus back off and Galactus says no. So he fucking kills Galactus like right off the bat. Huh. So we kill him in our first encounter with him. And they're all completely changed, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they're all damaged in some way. And Uatu's like, see, like, you know, yes, he defeated them, but they're changed forever and they're ill equipped to deal with future challenges. But they're not pretty then, anymore. <laughs> My action and then, figures. And then the the dad is like, Well look. And basically Reed is like, um, the scientific breakthrough I made, that same zero energy which defeated Galactus, can serve to undo the harm he caused. In fact, with your help and trust, it can do more. And they basically turn the Earth into a utopia. Oh, damn. Like, yeah, they use the energy to like clean the, clean the waters, irrigate deserts, cl- endless clean energy. The f- so if Uatu hadn't interfered, yes, the Fantastic Four would have been damaged, but Earth would have been a paradise. Damn. Which is a trip. Like, I really like that. So then basically they said, this is the only world you'll ever be able to see, basically, is what they told him. That's Uatu's punishment. So it's like fucked up. (laughs) But then we do see the original Nick Fury there hiding undercover. And he's like, look, it's like it's my turn. So (laughs) we'll see what happens from there. But I really liked it. It was was a what if story, basically. Yeah. Uh, Next up, Josue did not get a chance to read it. But I can't wait to talk about it. Um, Eternals, the heretic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a one shot. Excuse me. Uh, this is a one shot in the Eternals world. We've had a couple of these. Written by Kieran Gillen, art by Ryan Bodenheim and Edgar Salazar, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and letter by C- Clayton Cowles. The title of this issue is Thanos's Grandfather. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so. Uh, basically, they're still in the jail from the last issue I was telling you about where Thanos just keeps killing his parents over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and Droog are walking around, and Droog is like, hey, you want to see my grandpa? <laughs> basically. <laughs> so Droog takes him over to meet his grandpa. And the commentary, you know, the, like, the cheeky commentary that... I think it's the, even... The, it might even be the machine that does the commentary is the idea okay. in these. Um, uh, he's When he's like, hey, you remind me of my grandfather. And the commentary goes, uh-oh. And he goes, want to meet him? And the commentary goes, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and they start going over that way. He goes, please, no, don't go down there. And he's like, yeah, I'm out. Sorry. You can provide your own narration, ironic commentary. This guy scares the shit out of me. <gasps> oh. so that's the tone. The narrator left. <laughs> and that, that, that's, that's only been the machine that I'm the eternal. <laughs> yeah. So uh, his name is Uranus. <clears throat> and he looks like this. Oh, okay. So he's in a cage, and it's so funny because he's he's both the most threatening character in the Marvel Universe and the sassiest gay man ever at the same time. So um, they introduce him, and you find out that it's actually Thanos' great un- great uncle through the not his actual grandfather, but we'll get to that. But um, they open it up, and he, he goes, "Ah, Thanos, at last! I hope to meet you to look another disappointment in the eye." This the sass here. You killed half the universe, boy. Fifty percent. What a lack of commitment. Do something or don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fuck, <laughs> like, dude. What the fuck? And then he's like, you know, I've killed more than that. Blah 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 blah. And um, he's like, 
oh, maybe I can coin, maybe I can kill you. Basically, he's like, why not? You're the prime eternal. Let me out. And then Thanos is like thinking, he's like, no, you stay right there. He's like, lost your nerve. He's like, no, you want to be released. Hence, you cannot have it. And I'm like, that's so such a good little move. And then he's like, basically, like, tell me your story. He's like, whatever. You know, I'm not going to tell you my story. He's like, well, Druk's going to tell me all about it when we leave. Would you rather I know his story or yours? And he goes, well played, boy. <laughs> so basically, we find out that there's three Eternals that have dynasties of people. So we know Eternals, it's weird that Eternals can breed, right? Mm -hmm. That's how Thanos came about. Well, there's three dynasties, and by dynasty, at least three generations is what it is. There's only three in the entire Eternals lore. There's the Uranus dynasty, the Oceanus dynasty, and the Kronos dynasty, which is roughly the three main gods of Norse, I mean, of Greek and uh, Roman mythology. Uh, So it's uh, Neptune, uh, I guess it would be Jupiter, not not Saturn, even though it's Uranus. Um, and um, uh, the, the Hades. <laughs> the Pluto, there we go. So it's it's them, roughly. Because they're all kind of like analogs of mythology. And basically, he has the ability of... Uh, well, he, he's basically stupid powerful, first of all. But when they enter the Unimind, and they do the votes, he actually controls the votes of his entire line. Oh. That's one of their things, so... That's really interesting. And basically, his thing is, you find out that he has this really twisted idea. 60,000 years ago, you have the the deviant attacking all the little deviants, like the, the, the mutated deviants we've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. And their whole mission is to destroy the, the really evil mutated ones. And so he kills it. And then one little deviant, this cute little dude, is like... Hey, you know, I, you know, I know that was one of us. And when the curse takes us, you kill us. But I'm grateful you saved me and my family. And then blah blah blah. And he's like, I didn't care for the deviants. Why should we care about these specks in time? And just obliterates them. <sighs> and says, Who cares about specks of dust? Like basically, he's it. So basically, he comes up with this this idea where he's basically like, the rule is, um, basically. Actually, let me find the way he breaks it down. Um, So the three rules of the Eternals are correct excess deviation. His logic, any deviation is excess deviation. The only way to guarantee there is no excess deviation is destroy all deviants. That's his logic. Yeah. Protect the machine is the second rule. Okay. The Eternals have defined the machine broadly as the whole of this planet. This is simply not true. The machine is the infrastructure of the planet and the Eternals and nothing else. The deviant is not the machine. A flower is not the machine. A mammal is not the machine. All can and should be purged. Furthermore, all existence outside the machine is a possible threat to the machine. The principles dictate that after securing this world, we should purge the galaxy. Anything else is a betrayal of the principles. And then the last law, protect celestials. Right? (laughs) Keyword, protect. Celestial freedom is unnecessary. While we cannot harm them, we should find techniques to pacify them. And God is too precious a thing to be free. And God should be safely in a cage. Tells you everything you need to know about this guy, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah, basically, he led this revolution. He ended up getting stopped and locked away. So, um, in the end, he also has the key to the arsenal of the Eternals that no one knows where it is. No mm-hmm. one's ever seen it since he's been locked away. And he gives it to Thanos because he's impressed by him. 
And he's like, he's like, you fought your whole, you know, whole people to keep that. Trust me with your greatest secret. And he says, I see a member of my line who is not a disappointment. The young should inherit, should have their inheritance to enjoy while they can. And he goes, thank you, grand uncle. Actually, no, I think not. Thank you, grandfather. So, so good. <laughs> so, just someone worse than Thanos is out there, like, Jesus. Damn, so that kind of adds a little context to, like, the tease that we got from Druig for the Judgment Day. Yeah, plus like- the, when we saw the parents' origin, mm-hmm. and one of them was rebelling against their father, you know, like, and so we get a little more idea of the family tree, too, so. Yeah, no, but, like, any, and then with this guy, like, any, any sort of, like, any sense of, like, DV, like, the deviation is a deviant and like what you're being like, Oh, and we forgot about the mutants. It's like, Ooh, these close minded people. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff though. I really enjoyed it. So, uh, next up, uh, we got a couple books to close out on that we share. First of all, the Marvels number nine. Mm-hmm. You did read this, right? Yeah. I really like this one. Yeah. Written by Kurt music, art by Yildare Sinar, colored by Guru effects and letter by Simon Boland. This entire issue is from the perspective of Lady Lotus's handmaiden lady mm-hmm. or, or old maid. And um, it really tells the story of Lady Lotus and her sons. That's really the whole point of this issue. Um, we also get to see Cap in his nomad gear, which is always <laughs> makes me smile. So what a weird time in comics. <laughs> what a weird time in comics. But basically, yeah, she, she had the two sons, one in the, like, the communist revolutionaries, one in the rich merchant area. To kind of control both both sides. And long story short, shit happens. Partially at fault by the Americans. And the sons end up dying. Uh, and she loses her fucking shit. And that's why we are where we are. Um, I thought it was a really cool origin story. I thought it was like a good explanation of why we're here. Yeah. Um, I thought that was done really well. Um, but yeah, really, really dope. And to see the old style Avengers and stuff like that was fun. Um, yeah, I really dug it. What do you think? Um, yeah, no, I, I really like it because like it's just a character like I'm I don't know in depth of or if I do it's just like it'll just be a callback to like a, a once upon a time in comics. Uh, so to actually almost get like a legit actual origin story to this character is actually like maybe proper up or build up better, and it's almost like what the whole point of this book has been. That's what that's what makes me appreciate comics the worst. Like like almost no character can like really be left forgotten. If you have like the right the right creativity behind it, and I love like her music just has like this history of knowledge. To just be like, you know what, Marvel, let me just pick up that character. You got any plans with them? No, let me do my thing. She was about uh, several years ago. She was in the uh, Avengers Invaders crossover when the Invaders came to modern time. Oh yeah, no, I, I have that run with Alex Ross. Yeah, yeah, she was really good in that. So, but yeah, all right. Next up. Amazing Spider-Man 92 dot Bay. Oh, the penultimate chapter to beyond. Here we go. Okay, so we have a couple different stories. I'm going to run through the full creative team as well <laughs> as we start. Writers are Jed McKay, Cody Ziglar, and Zeb Wells. Art is by Luigi Zagaria, Bruno Oliveira, Fran Galan, Mark Bagley, and Wade Foucher. Colorists are Espen Grutenchern, Carlos Lopez, Jim Campbell, Jim Shara Lampidis, and Maury Hollowell, letter by Joe Carmagna. If anyone's listening to this, I, there's no way I can fit all these people on a tweet. So when, when the Giga tweet goes out, I'm not intentionally keeping anybody out. I will eliminate people that don't actually have a Twitter account, I think, to try to get as many as there as possible. But if I miss names, it's just not possible. <laughs> so, um, But let's get started. The first one is, and I love this because 
in the last issue, it was like, how did they defeat the w- lizard? And it turns out very easily. It took three pages. <laughs> like, um, I absolutely love this face from Colleen. Yeah. Like, that made me laugh. I just really it was like, ugh. Um, but yeah, basically Morbius is like, oh, you're half lizard, half Morbius. What if you have more Morbius? Eat me! <laughs> and he makes him eat him. And then he fucking explodes, which he is pops. disgusting. So, yeah. Good work, Dr. Mike. Um, and then basically, like, I'd never want to see you again, so they're not going to be a team, which sucks. But then we get to what I would say is the main event of this book, which is Monica Rambeau. Fuck yeah. I love, 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 love her monologue uh-huh. about not being liked. Yep. And I'm just like, fuck yes. Like, it's <laughs> so dope. And I remember hearing something about what was going to happen, and I totally forgot, so I got surprised by it. Oh. So she gets into Beyond's, like, base, and she frees an old friend, (laughs) which is the Machine Man. Josue, have you ever read Next Wave? Not Next Wave. Go read it after this. It's five (laughs) issues. Oh, nice. uh, Marvel Unlimited. It's basically, it's kind of like Ecstatics. Ooh. But but more along the lines of Great Lake Avengers, okay. Where it's goofier, mm-hmm. and it's the weirdest team of people, but it's people you would love because it's these two. It's Elsa Bloodstone. Fuck yeah! It's Boomer. Boom boom meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember the fifth member. That's cool. I'll read it at that point. I, I'll be surprised by who the fifth member is. But the cast is so insane, and they just um, like it, it's just. It's like they had a lot of fun with it, is basically the idea. And the art's fun. It's not, like, too serious and stuff. Um, It's, oh, it's The Captain. Okay, yeah, never mind. Yeah. And it's written by Warren Ellis, by the way. So, Um, But, yeah, it's really, really good. And um, the two of them team up. And basically, they're just unlikable heroes, is the idea of Next Wave. Mm -hmm. So, I love Machine Man. When they use him properly. I'd like to point out, as goofy as the story is, these two both used to be Avengers, which makes me smile. <laughs> um, and basically, he's like, I'm a robot man and I hate squishy people. And that's her motivation of getting him to help is like, they're all squishy, you know, they're all fleshy. And he's like, oh, okay. So he helps her kill all the bad guys. Um, hopefully, Jeff the Shark survived. Um, and yeah. And oh, this all also beyond ties back to Next Wave. That's That was their bad guy in Next Wave. So, <laughs> so. Yep, they blow up the place, and now it looks like they're going to be teaming up on a more permanent basis, which I am very here for. Um, I wish they could get the rest of the group back together. Elsa would probably be easier than Tabby, because she mentions Tabby's on a mutant sex island, which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah. So, good stuff. And then uh, we get a story about, oh god, what's his name again? Doug. Uh, Doug. The fucking Doug story. Oh my god, I was dying. <laughs> Doug's basically about to be fired from Beyond, but finds a way to turn it around and actually gets a promotion, <laughs> which is really <laughs> great. And then we get a cool Slingers tease that they're going to be fighting. And then we get another epilogue. This one is for Queen Goblin. I, I'm starting to think other things. Yeah. I Here's, okay. This might be way off. What's Songbird doing right now? Oh my god. I don't even get to start on Songbird. Because she doesn't just look at a picture of Norman Osborn. Yeah, yeah. Iron Patriot. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Just saying. Throwing that out there. And then we get a final one-page epilogue with Morbius being like, Hey, Lizard, I saw what happened when we combine our powers. Let's do it ourselves. And that's pretty it's like, I'm not teaming up with them two crazy ones, but you, I know we fought, but you're all right, dude. <laughs> you're all right. Let's do this. So, um, Lots of fun little bits in this. I really enjoyed it. Obviously, the Monica uh, story is the, the highlight, like the, the main course, as I said. But mm-hmm. I loved all the little bits. Um, I'm very curious about Queen Goblin. Uh, yeah, what do you think? Um, I mean, for I like that uh, it was. It's funny that this issue was a uh, point bay it was was a tie in issue because we can neatly almost we can almost neatly wrap the, this next issue, the, the finale, like when it all comes crumbling down. Hopefully, um, around Maxine, it, it won't be like oh, it just happened so fast. Like everything, yeah. everything happened here in this issue, like of of ev- everything crumbling from uh, from under her. Um, the at least from like piggybacking off of last one into this one, her finding out that the daughters of the dragon were like obviously spying on her the whole time. She didn't take that well. Monica's new like mission is just like going after every st- uh, every uh, facility. Uh, moving on to Doug getting a promotion, so he's just such a sleaze ball sleaze bag that he would. I wonder how high he fucking went. I can I can only imagine how high he fucking went. It's not just be like a promotion up to the next floor. Like this dude, <laughs> and again, when he had me dying because like all the excuses and the one that I was, I read this at work and I, I read, this one had me fucking crack up out loud was uh, ignoring repeated requests to stop ending your emails with Doug the Thug, aka the Lotion Commotion. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's so good. Um, and then uh, what was the other ones? And then the slingers, because we from the other tie-in that we know that they've been that we know that they're on our side, even though like Maxine's like, oh, thank God you're here to save me. But it's like I'm pretty sure Ben's gonna be a problem, but I'm pretty sure we can, it'll work out like very quickly. Yeah. And then yeah, Goblin Queen is just like on her own fucking agenda, so it's like I'm pretty sure she's gonna fucking be dipping out of beyond. So everything's crumbling under Maxine in this issue, which is I, I thought it was a really cool setup. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I uh, really enjoyed it. So, talking about enjoyed it, I'm going to ju- kick to the next book, talk very briefly, and then let Josue jump in, because I know he's going to have some words. Um, we're going to talk about Carnage number one. Uh, so, again, multiple stories. Uh, so, the main story is... Pull up the creative teams, because it's like halfway through. Um, written by Rom V. Drawn by Francesco Mana, colored by Dijon Lima, letter by Joe Sabino. And this story is kind of the story of the main story, what we're going to be talking about as far as lore for Carnage and what happens from here. From here, yeah. Which is basically we have this serial killer who's obsessed with Carnage. Carnage finds him and is like, hey, I like your work, but let me show you what I'm really up to. And that's when we get to the revelation of what happens with Hydro Man. Because we were seeing little teases about stuff. And basically, Carnage takes over Hydro Man. Yeah. And is now like Hydro Carnage. So that's fucking terrifying. Um, and I, it's just really good. And it's dealing with the, this detective that's trying to find him as well. And. Um, I like the art a lot. It gave me like a feel of like the old Punisher Warzone books for some reason. Okay, like, it felt gritty like that. Like I really liked it. So, what'd you think? 
Uh, I'm, I'm re- I, re- I really like the story because it felt like the detective side of like a saw story with like like following yeah. this like all these clues, all these like grisly murders. But then it's like obviously like, saw is not supernatural. But then like you have these things envelop like in front of them, like the butterfly thing is like what the fuck. Um, oh, that was fucked up. That was some straight up bone collector shit. Yeah, that was fucked. <laughs> uh, but then yeah, like it it, it comes back to um, where what was the issue? Carnage forever. The the Rom V part, like the cliffhanger was, yeah, Carnage was going to be half water type, and now we see how it happens and how he's going to use it, like pressurized Carnage water. Like I don't fucking know. He's because he, he teased it last time when he did pick him up on like. Bro, you've been you almost like you could have been almost godlike tier with like your powers, but like you had no fucking imagination. Let me take over and now, like, oh god, no. Uh, well, well, one of his two weaknesses is fire, so that nullifies his fire weakness. So, I mean, with the spiral in his head, I'm pretty like that got canceled. Like, mm-hmm. fire wasn't a problem for him anymore. Oh, gotcha. I wasn't. I'm, I don't keep up with carnage. So. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And then we also got a backup story that I thought was pretty great, actually. Yeah. Um, Written by David Michelini, uh, art by Ron Lim, inked by Roberto Poggi, colored by Israel Sylvan, letter by Joe Sabino. We have a little kid, fresh out of juvie, basically summons Carnage, much <laughs> like the Dragonborn in Skyrim, where the kid summons the Dark Brotherhood to kill the bad guys. And um, is like, hey, these guys used to pick on me and fuck with me really horribly in, in, um, in prison. Can you kill them? And Carnage is like, why the fuck would I do that? He's like, you want to do chaos, right? Well, if you do the good thing, that's the most chaotic thing you do. He's like, I think I love you. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes and he fucking murders these dudes in just brutal fashion. Except for the last one. He's like, you can kill him yourself, kid. And that's when the kid's like, this got real. (laughs) 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 Like, he makes a big speech, but it literally to me is him being like, whoa, this shit got real real quick. That's so funny. So he doesn't. And then Carnage is like, all right, and swings away. So <laughs> we also got a couple of um, little, like, half page. Some funnies. Uh, some funnies, yeah. One, I don't want to talk too much about the first one because it's a little uncomfortable with something going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, this was poorly timed. Uh, the second one was Uwatu and Venom, which was pretty funny. I, I thought that one was pretty great. The I like watcher, the Watcher of Him. <laughs> That's good stuff, so. But yeah, I, I thought this was a good start. Uh, it's Carnage brand. It's violent. It's fucked up. Yeah, it's exactly what you expect from a Carnage. Brand. I, I'm curious. I mean, like, there, it has to be, and it's also very, just very Marvel fashion. On like, hey, would you like? Would you also like this project? I'm so curious how when Rom V is going to cross him over with with Venom. I'm pretty sure it'll be a, a Dylan story uh, crossing over with this, like, uh, with, with with this Carnage. Um, also, with the yeah. the one with the kid, the, the Juvie kid, I. I because like everything I post, uh, Johnny Cage like Carnage is a, it's almost its own entity right now, its own conscious conscious right now, and he's fucking he doesn't need a host right now. So it, it was really cool seeing this old classic like Maximum Carnage uh, style uh, rendition of I, I I missed that with Cletus and everything. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, awesome. Which brings us to our final book, taking a trip over to Krakoa. <sighs> We're going to talk about X Lives of Wolverine number five. Uh, so this is the finale of yeah. Lives, mm-hmm. written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Joshua Kassara, colored by Frank Martin, and lettered by Corey Petit. So Logan's trip through time is successful. He's able to save Xavier. Everything turns out just great. He's completely exhausted. 
because Omega Red tries to take over his his mind. Um, it does briefly, but then uh, Gene and uh, Gene and Xavier are able to get him back in there. Uh, we do get to see Mikhail, who abandons Omega Red. Uh, it also should be noted that Mikhail seems to have a pretty massive power upgrade. Um, so that's really interesting. He's like a significant X-Men villain. Um, but that all leads to Wolverine Omega Red having a fight. Now, I absolutely love that he used Gateway for this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I like, I just imagine him going the gate and he settles score and Gateway just shrugging. He's like, Let's I'm, go. Pretty, I'm pretty sure he just sniffed the air and whoever was the closest teleporter was it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, a lot of them wouldn't do this for him to get him to go <laughs> kill a dude. You know what I mean? Like, Gateway's like, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. <laughs> like, we're bros like that. We hang out in the Australian Outback. <laughs> so, so he just fucking brutally murders Omega Red. Rips him straight up in half. It's fantastic. And then he's like, man, I'm tired. I'm going to go rest. He recovers the Cerebro Sword. That's very important because that's been gone for a while now. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, I got to rest. And then Sage is like, oh, about that. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like... Uh, it's like, we're getting under attack. What? By who? Well, it's by you, actually. And then we see the Phalanx Wolverine is fighting his kids, basically. And with the um, very down Moira. Uh, what's that, Moira? The, when she was rocking the suit, and when she gets like impaled by that oh, Wolverine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The hair looked... I always forget she dyed her hair until I see her again, mm-hmm. you know? So I forgot that was her. But, yeah, so we saw in the last issue of Deaths that the phalanx started to take him over. Yeah. Uh, so he's, that's obviously why they're fighting him. And now Wolverine has to go stop himself. Uh, I think that's cool. Um, I'm very excited for X deaths. I think it's going to set up the whole next. Yeah. Like era of X-Men. And I'm very excited. I know. I'm so excited. How this is all going to go down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, what do you think? Anything you want to add about X lives? It, it was just so badass. Like, and I, I love how Benjamin Percy is just like, he's just, he can just make such like grisly looking badass moments and scenes, or it's like at least like what he ask of of ask of his artists and Kasara yeah. just nails it when um when Omega Red uh stabs his neck and he just yeah. smiles <laughs> through it. Ooh, love it! Like that's some good Wolverine shit. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, those are the issues for this week. Hostway, what else have you been reading, sir? Oh boy, did I read stuff. Uh so I guess keeping keeping with Marvel. Um I read finally read uh the Neil Gaiman Eternals book. I let you, yeah. I, I let you in on that one and it was quite delightful. It was such a good setup, such a good little book. Um and I can definitely see the influences uh into the movie. And I was like I definitely had like had to do like my rewatched, loved it all. I and I and actually appreciated all the changes. Yep. Like I kind of felt like I, I kind of felt like it actually helped the story for like the changes. Like kind of almost like Macari. Well, Macari for sure. I was yeah. <laughs> so much better in this in the movie. <laughs> yeah, Macari's just a generic white dude, basically. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, let's have a little fun. And then the actress they chose for Macari is oh, she was fantastic. fantastic. Yes, I, I loved her. Um, and I, I still don't like Droog being like just this cliche bad guy in the comics. Yeah, I wish he was more nuanced. Because like, then, because then you you look at the other. Uh, overpowered spacey team and they have the same thing with uh, mm-hmm. uh the inhumans and the beyonder it's it's almost the same thing uh but this and it's like and no, I, i'm not completely against jrjr John Ramada jr 
but sometimes it's just, it just depends on the book for me with, with the guy. Yeah. But, he, but here in Eternals, it's so fitting, like so stoic and like so like pose. And it's like, it just makes sense with like all of these characters. It, it was really, it was really cool. Especially the yeah. grand scheme with like the, the Celestials. Like he really fucking knocked it out of the park, tapping into some, some Kirby shit. So it's cool. I loved how much the Avengers are in this and completely overwhelmed by everything. That's yes. one of my favorite things about it is how they're like, oh, fuck, we're just ants, basically. <laughs> like, I really like that. But yeah, the, the art really fits the Eternals. They're gods, yeah. basically. So his art really works for that. Yes. So, yeah. And I love the twist of who's the bad guy in the Eternals. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I love everything to do with the Celestials. I thought, I thought a lot of it's really good. I loved, love, love, love Cersei in this run honestly yeah no, i was, I was uh, again like a, a much different character from like the movie into this one but that's what i kind of liked about it is like i was still gonna get some surprises out of this book as well and so it was really cool yeah cool yeah, um awesome. which then uh which then i followed up with the eternals book that i always thought about uh which was again like when i was getting into like the comic game this ad was everywhere so i so then i found out that this was actually the straight follow-up to neil gaiman's book um, obviously Eternals, but it was by Charles and Daniel Knopf with then uh, up and coming rookie Daniel Acuna, which is one of my all time favorites now. And oh my God, what from going from JRJR to Acuna was such an amazing gift. <laughs> Honestly, an amazing gift that we got into comics. And this run had a lot of potential. It was literally Icarus trying to find the other. At that point, what, 96 Eternals that were out and about uh, lost out there. And sadly, I, I, again, reading these nine issues, this book was just way too soon for people's attention. It was like Marvel at one point really fucking tried to revive the, the Eternals. And this was that book, obviously with with Gaiman and JRJR to, to set it up. It was almost just like maybe to just pass it on over to this team that wasn't maybe grabbing people's attention is probably what left this book mm-hmm. to die. But there was potential in this book. To, there was potential in this book to mate, to shape the MU a little differently, just, uh, just based on like where and how their presence would have been, especially because like they ended uh, their closer was these three issues was a crossover with the X-Men around the manifest destiny era. And there is a callback with, uh, with like their history with the uh, uh, apocalypse. So I'm really wanting, I'm really hoping for a judgment day for him to, for this, for that to be his comeback and be like, oh, I remember those guys and you're not to fuck with them. Like they're pretty fucking powerful because he's really their most godlike without being going Omega. He's something else to come to actually compete with them. And that's something that they'll be missing to fight the fucking Eternals. Uh, So that was really fucking fun to actually have that little uh, cap of Eternals. That was really cool. Then I read this really weird book called Vengeance by Joe Casey and Nick Dragota. And it came out in 2012. Uh, it's an official sequel to Acts of Vengeance, which was the the 89. Uh, yeah. Which is a, yeah, which is weird to, from this, this one came out in 2012. The official sequel to Acts of Vengeance from 89 and 1990. And I never read that. I, I looked into it. It's a huge crossover. Potential omnibus to find, or maybe like make a list to uh, read it uh, through the app. So, so I was a little lost, but still very. It was a very interesting book in here. Uh, I would just like to make get more context, but it was it was cool though. It was uh, about these 
this new rookie group of villains that want to make their mark in the world. So they're they're targeting they're targeting other villains, and it's about the team brigade. This version of a team brigade to to stop them. Uh, so it's a little chase and kind of going in and around some villains. Uh, so you get to see uh, some cool obscure cameos, including a uh, Stacy X, uh, and then kind of seeing her where she is now in Krakoa. Uh, there's a there's a w- weird scene with Magneto kind of cock blocking her and being like you're, <laughs> you're shaming like when they're in, in danger like you're shaming the mutant race it's like bro like let her fucking have fun and also like you're being the fucking creepy one here uh but yeah it's That's cool how like power. his whole his whole thing is like embrace who you are exactly but so so it's cool being like it's like <laughs> so it's cool seeing her and being like oh shit like i just remember you being like oh you're taking care of the babies and it's like it was cool again like Krikko is just doing so many great things right now but has been doing great things um, okay, and last Marvel book uh, that I read was I finally like, I just picked it up a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, but I finally read Captain America: Truth, Red, White, and Black. You haven't read it before? No, dude. I mean, because oh, it wasn't in print, oh. and there was no way for me to get it around. And wow, great! Oh my god, great, great stuff! Chilling, chilling stuff for like the like perfectly drawn by uh, Kyle Baker uh, to just have it be like campy but then just be like just dark in the comics way and it's like so you just get the story finally like oh my god I just i i just just engulfed it it was it was really fucking good um and again i like guess it's, it's the with the with the recent second print second printing out finally people go out and find it there's a very impor- important book from comics it really puts patriot in a different like perspective oh yes abs- absolutely mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like the end, the ending is just so heartwarming, but just so so fucking brutal. Like when 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 Cap visits and like they have their moment, yeah. but it's just like it it is not the same ending as as, as fucking Balkan. Like it is not the same Isaiah ending, and it's just like <laughs> it's just it's so it's fucking it's fucked up. Um, and the last the last book uh, last book I read this week uh, was speaking of uh, literally speaking of unsung heroes, um, I read uh, Four Fisted Tales. Animals in Combat by um, Eisner-nominated uh, cartoonist Ben uh, Towel, and the, the, this is literally—it's it's literally. I haven't read a nonfiction book in a long time, and I'm glad that it was a graphic novel. And this is literally uh, ch- uh, a bunch of profiles, little store, uh, short stories on yeah, animal veterans throughout war times, throughout the throughout the ages. And so there's stories about like I feel about their their dogs. So you know they give some some tear jerkers, but there's uh how dolphins have been used, how mascots were used like uh, as uh, symbols, seagulls, how slugs were inadvertently helpful for against like mustard gas, horses, and of course like carrier pigeons. It was very good. I should have not taken this to work because I should have expected this to be a tear jerker for some for some, or just be very fucking brutal on being like. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many novels, novels, libraries on like war times and veterans and wartime stories, but these are really some unsung heroes on just like utilizing animals and like really barely giving them some like medals of honor, but like, like you know, like it's it was a very good book. I, I'm I'm glad that we found this like very recently. I think I believe Cosmic Monkey. Nice. All right, I don't got quite as much as you. Um, I got Age of Ash still by Daniel Abraham. I'm almost done. Nice. Um, I've been kind of putting it off. I also restarted my um, reread of Sandman. Yes. Because um, the show's coming up, and I'm like, yep, time to do it. So <laughs> I committed. I read most of the first volume. I'm almost done with it. 
Um, and then I actually got a Kickstarter package this week. Ooh. Um, we got uh, one of the one of the Kickstarters I backed. Um, I think I got it this week. If I already talked about this last week, then forgive me. Um, is a trans and non-binary anthology of comics uh, called The Outside. And um, this is it. Okay, I hadn't seen it, but my, my, you might have not. Yeah. Um, and then it, it actually goes around to the back, too. So it's like oh. a little paradise thing. So, um, <clears throat> so it's about trans and non-binary characters. Came with a bunch of stickers, which I always like when you get a little bit of extra stuff. So, like, can't be bothered with gender today. <laughs> Take your time. It's going to be okay. Um, you are not alone. Just cute stuff like that. Um, now, one thing I did with this one is I actually really liked the look of it. So, when I pledged, I pledged a package deal to get 10 copies of this. Oh, nice. So, I'm going to keep one. I'll probably send you one. Aww. And then I'm and then I'm gonna donate eight of them Dope. to local libraries and stuff. So that's the plan right now. I want to look into like how the donation works. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I send it somewhere where they don't just throw it in the trash because it's a trans book, you know. Yeah. Um, I might actually reach out to, um, to the Arizona Division of um, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Equality. Okay. Equality Arizona. Uh, because they they they're like a LGBT youth thing. So. See if they have any advice and stuff. But yeah, so I wanted to, I kind of wanted to get more. So I have 10 copies just sitting on my desk right now. Hell yeah. Um, but I did, I did read through this and it's, it's adorable and amazing. And I love the art. Um, there's, like I said, it is a, it is a, uh, anthology. So there's a lot of different art styles, different stories and stuff. I like the, like little things like, uh, like just little moments and I just really enjoy it. And, um, I do know a couple of, actually know one pretty significant trans comic reviewer in the area, and I should reach out to her and see if she wants a copy too. So, but yeah, um, pretty cool. I really dug that. Uh, I have a couple more on the way, but uh, that's the one I got most recently. So, other than that, that's pretty much it. Uh, I did. Uh, I think I told you already that I finished uh, the restaurant at the end of the universe, the second mm-hmm. Chuckers Guide book. So. Uh, just going to get the third one, and I'll be good to go. That is it for me. So, anything else you want to add before we go? No, that was it. All right. Well, those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. For the quick rundown, myself, Keith, your host, is at WHI Podcast Keith. Our producer, Liz, at WHI Podcast Liz. Hostway is at Hostway Reads Hostway. And this show is at WHI Podcast on Twitter. Our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, is on Twitter at Jukebox Vertigo. That show is where we build a playlist every other week with our friends based around a randomized category, and it's added to an ever-growing playlist so you can listen to the whole thing. Um, this newest episode that we just recorded is one word, one name artists, like Lord or Prince, <laughs> which none of us picked, by yeah. the way. Spoiler alert. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we did that with our friend Manda, who made a third a hero in, in four ish, four episodes. She's always ready. Um, the episode uh, that that episode will come out on Monday. At later that night on Monday, you should check out Josue on Twitch at Josue Plays Josue, where he's going to add all the songs and listen to them live, so you can have a chat with him, tell him what you think about them, uh, you know, all that stuff. 
make sure to watch it live because it does get muted because we're listening to music. But if you watch it live, they don't mute you as you go. Right. So you get to actually hear Josue's opinions, which is really cool. So, And he also plays some games while he's at it. Um, the episode that's currently up uh, that you, you would be able to listen to right now. What episode was our last one? You remember? It was Funeral Tracks. Sure, that's funeral right. Tracks. Yeah, so that one is up with our with our friends Liza and Nico. So check that out until Monday where you can check out the single name artists one. Um, so that is everything that you can reach us at. Don't forget to bag, board, and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. Thank you.